The following is brought to you by the Social Suplex Podcast Network. This is Scorpio Sky, and you are listening to the Keeping It Strong Style Podcast, and it is the best. Yo, this is Rich Ladder from One Nation Radio. This is brought to you by the Social Suplex Podcast Network. We present to you the Ace of Podcasts, Keeping It Strong Style. Let's go. It's the Ace of Podcasts, Keeping It Strong Style. Covering New Japan, they ready to hold it down. Jeremy Donovan and the young boy Josh. Come and hit a job out in Barrio the Frost. From Tokyo Dome over to the G1. Social Suplex is the network where we can get it done. I'm a chiller. And let them have it Cause this is just an intro Keeping the strong style Six stars from the get-go, boy Yeah, from Tampa Bay to the Tokyo Dome This is Keeping It Strong Style With your hosts, Jeremy Donovan And the young boy, Joshua Smith And thank you for listening Welcome to Keeping It Strong Style The ace of podcasts on the Social Suplex Podcast Network Jeremy Dobbin here with the young boy Josh Smith. On today's show, we'll be discussing new beginning in Hiroshima, some more forbidden store, answering your questions, and covering all this news in the world of New Japan Pro Wrestling. You can support our show by subscribing to the Social Suplex Podcast Network or to keeping a strong style on the podcast app of your choice and leaving a rating interview. You can also get all the podcasts and columns over at socialsuplex.com. Check out our Pearls and Tees store, pearlsandtees.com slash socialsuplex. That's where you can get your official Keeping It Strong style t-shirt. If you enjoy this podcast, please consider making a one-time or monthly donation by visiting socialsuplex.com slash donate. Click on the donate button under the Keeping It Strong Style logo. This week's episode is brought to you by the NJPW EXT, the only Browser extension for NJPWWorld.com with features like dark mode, improved translations and layouts, custom and shared playlists, synchronized viewing parties, and much, much more. It takes NJPW World to the next level. You can visit NJPWEXT.us today for details. Young boy, how you doing, man? Three days ago, Tim Smith at PointDexter84, he tweeted us and said, Great show. Exclamation point. And I finally looked into the NJPW World extension, and it is a game changer. I subscribed to the year option for the Patreon immediately. Guys, Tim Smith, he is a smart fellow. He's ahead. He is ahead. And I'm telling you, if you've listened to the show, this is the second week I'm going to tell you, you need to get the NJPW extension. I think I did a pretty good job, you know, selling it last week. Uh, we probably saw... A, a, a huge spike, a huge rise. Yeah, there was probably uh, more extension uh, users than network subscribers for WWE. Absolutely. Um, yeah, for sure. So, I mean, you know, things things are looking up. Things are looking up for, for NJPW. Bro, 168 episodes. 167 times we came. 167 times we slapped. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, and we're, we're going to do it again. We're, they they lay them up. We're going to lay them yeah, down. It's crazy to think, man. The, the longest running weekly episodic <laughs> New Japan Pro Wrestling podcast on the internet today. Jeremy doesn't usually throw <laughs> throw any shade at any other like podcast, especially New Japan. But this like one day every week, the longest running weekly. Well, am I wrong? Is 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 there a dedicated New Japan Pro Wrestling podcast that has more than a hundred and sixty eight weekly episodes? We have not missed one week since we just started back in December of twenty seventeen. 
That's true. Or November, whenever it was, November, December, twenty seventeen. We've we've gone. It was November. Yeah, we've gone to yeah, November to World, remember World Tag League. Yeah. Um, so yeah, we've been, we've been going strong since we were, then. We talked about the U.S. expansion. Yes, dude. The Ahead. first episode. <laughs> <laughs> the crazy thing is, like, I still had B. I'll see people like still like download some like the older like that, that episode and like going back in the archives and download some of that old stuff. It's crazy. Yeah. Well, you sent us our like lifetime numbers, and I like did some math and I extrapolated like what we averaged, and I was like. I'm not gonna say on there because kayfabe, but uh, <laughs> <laughs> but I was like, geez, <laughs> yeah, man. But like, I remember like that first episode got like initially like I don't know thirty, yeah, oh, it, it was 40, low, it was low. No, bro, we were like, oh. we were we were lit though. We were like, bro, forty people <laughs> listen to this shit. It's fire, yeah, dude. <laughs> Come a long way since then, yo. And, and when I say 167 times it slapped, I'm, I, I I know I'm putting us over, but let me just tell you, like every now and again, I'll go into the archives for I don't know a project or something. If I need to like find something, and like I'll start listening, and I'm like, man, we had some good takes. Like, <laughs> this is a good show. <laughs> and, and the funny thing is, I'll never forget, like when we were starting keeping a strong style, we were always like, man, are we gonna have enough stuff to cover? Yeah, because uh, we you know we weren't really familiar with like the full New Japan schedule yet. It's like, yeah, we, we'll, we'll throw in some Ring of Honor when they do like you know World Awards and all that kind of stuff. Well, I knew they, you know, I I just didn't. In- like anticipate how involved it would be like you know i i watched new japan pretty you know heavily but i like wasn't dedicated i wasn't gonna watch you know new japan road (laughs) (laughs) not not road two, just road Road. yeah i wasn't gonna watch that shit but uh you know now i'm like on the internet in these uh derpy dokey little fucking facebook groups where you know it's funny because i've always imagined in in my mind i've always because i on Twitter, for the most part, I think most New Japan fans that I've ever interacted with or accounts, pretty, like, high-end, intelligent smarks is what I'd call them. But then you go to Facebook, and it's a wasteland. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. You, like, yeah, that's another thing. You go to the uh, to the Reddit, and it's, like, pretty good. You go to Facebook, it is the wild, wild west. People with crazy takes, Crazy opinion. I mean, it's it's all over yeah, the place. It, it, yeah, it, yeah, Facebook. Yeah, it's it's pretty wild. Out and like, <laughs> people be like, "Do I really gotta watch these road two shows?" I'm like, "You're missing out on the nuance <laughs> and the storytelling." <laughs> oh man, but yeah, we have plenty. You're not gonna understand why the iron gloves are so important to Tai Chi. <laughs> uh, but yeah, we have no shortage of content to talk about. We got Forbidden Door. New beginning, Hiroshima. No, I'm done with Forbidden Door. It happened. No, 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 there's some more stuff to talk about. We have Road to Castle Attack, Castle Attack, uh, New Japan Strong. There's a ton of stuff to uh, dive into here this week. Yeah, let's let's dive into it. So let's open the Forbidden Door one more time here at the start of the show. Last week on Dynamite, we had Kenta and Omega teaming up to defeat... Lance Archer, John Moxley. Real quick, what were your thoughts on this uh, tag team main event? Oh, so like you're anytime there's like cross promotion stuff, you're gonna do the Forbidden Door as like a gimmick. Yeah, it's, it's a Forbidden Door. <laughs> <laughs> See, I didn't. I don't do the rundown. I'm like looking at the rundown. I'm like, he's got other stuff here. Okay. Uh, yeah, I loved this main event. Um, one one quick fact of note: it didn't do so hot in the ratings. Like it was one of the lower rated segments of the evening. Well, that was because the uh, well, the, it was. 
Dynamite was down in general because of the impeachment trials. Right. Dynamite was down, but this was one of the lowest segments of Dynamite for the whole evening. And it makes kind of no sense to me. I don't, because with the hype, the promotion, I mean, I think they could have definitely done more to maybe uh, inform people of who Kenta was. And so maybe like, I don't know the way I thought about it was when I saw this, when I saw him first come out, I was thinking if I was AEW uh, you know, or Western wrestling fan, and I didn't know who Kenta or Hideo Itami is, them treating him like such a big deal at the end of the show would have been an indicator to me to go out and... Google him. <laughs> yeah, proactively look for him. And I would have been intrigued. I don't know. I'm the kind of wrestling fan where I would have been intrigued. But for whatever reason, and I'm sure it was that way for some people, but it didn't seem to resonate with the general audience, which I think maybe shows that... Uh, you know, for some shows and some audiences, you might need to hold their hand a little bit more and maybe like do a package or something of that nature, you know? But um, as far as the match goes, dude, I loved this. I mean, I really, really, really loved it. It's, um, it screamed of like 1998, 1999 WWF uh, hardcore matches before they got played out. Yeah. When, when it was just kind of like a new novel concept and they were like, you know, going into the kitchens and going into, you know, the boiler rooms and yada, yada. And um, they laid this out so beautifully. I know it was a taped match, but I mean, like every, the camera work was impeccable. The work was impeccable. Lots of hard hitting stuff, a lot of comedy stuff, a lot of like smart callbacks in the match. Um, I'm very high on it, but you know, and I'm not usually the the uh, the guy that loves the brawls all over the place. But when they're done really well, and they're they're really good. Yeah, I I and just the mix of the history between all four guys involved, um, I I'm super high on it. I couldn't see how someone else wouldn't be. Plus the novelty, like Kenta doesn't get to do this sort of stuff. Kenny Omega generally, I mean, we see him do a little bit of it. He doesn't get to. I mean, Mox. Even, all the all four of these guys don't really get to live in that realm anymore as often as you you might think so, because it was again a unsanctioned or no rules lights match. out or lights whatever. out or whatever. So I mean, I I thought that they just tore the house down. I went four and a half on this. Yeah, That's super I, high for me. Yeah, I went four and a half. Also, yeah, Kenta diving off the stage onto I think it was Amanda Mox on the table. Awesome spot. It's a, a ton of great spots. I love the visual of, um, you know, the Good Brothers helping Kenny get Archer up for the the one-winged angel. Um, yeah, there's just so much to love about this matchup. And if you haven't seen this matchup, it is up on New Japan. Well, it's going to be up on New Japan World. It is. It is it's up right now, right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah so the, the match is up there on New Japan World. If you're, if you're like, anti-AEW or you haven't watched Dynamite yet, I highly recommend checking it out, watching it on your NJPW World subscription. Well, here's the thing, you know, I... <laughs> For I think a lot of people, though, I got to really question whether their distaste of a certain promotion has anything to do with the actual work itself. You know what I mean? Right. Because, I mean, I've actually seen, again, going back to Facebook, I've seen a lot of these Facebook groups that, that are like, uh, you know, pro groups, New Japan groups, stuff like that. They don't like AEW. Like, it's pretty heavily out there. Uh, but then I, I, I'm like, it can't be the work. You know, and if they claim it's the work, they have to be lying. I, I think it's everything else in between. It's, I think it's the weddings and the goofy skits and yada, stuff like that. Yeah, or just the, the overall hate for the, the elite leaving New Japan and that whole there's narrative. The, well, I mean, there, and that is that is something that happened, and there's a version of truth to that. Plus, there was some poaching going on. I mean, there, there's bad blood on both sides, but uh, I, I definitely think that that is an element. But, like, when you... 
so I don't think if anyone watched this, I guess what I'm trying to say is I don't think it's going to shift their opinion on the overall brand because the work's always good yeah. in AEW, um, just generally speaking. So, you know, I don't think that that's the thing that and that people uh, have a problem with. Although I think if they claim it's the work, they're lying to themselves. <laughs> you yeah, know? I mean, yeah, it's, it's great work, whether you like promotion or not. So, now, yeah. Uh, now, here's one thing I will say. Um this is something I like about the idea of interpromotional stuff is because while there may be some version of this that could occur in New Japan and with moderation, I'm okay with it. You know, we just saw the, the uh, what was the street fight between um, Will Ospreay and Kojima? Yeah. So we've seen some elements of this, but they would never do this match in New Japan. You know, they would never go through Cork and Hall in New Japan and do something like this. They just couldn't do it, you know? Right. And I, uh, I mean, there's other companies that could, you know, big Japan, DDT, stuff like that, but this company could never do that. So to kind of see Kenta out of his element, doing something different, I think that's exciting because, you know, um, I think a lot of people come to new Japan and work different styles and different formats and matches that they wouldn't be able to do in their home promotion. I think of Mox in the G1 as a, a prime example, you know? Right. And seeing guys get, get opportunities to go work with other people in different environments and scenarios, it kind of just opens up creatively things. And I, I like that idea. So I think it's pretty cool. Yeah, this is awesome. I'm, I'm loving kind of the interactions we're getting here, especially, you know, obviously having Kenta as part of the book club, it's kind of, pseudo bullet club reunion reinvigoration happening with Kenny and the good brothers and the young bucks in AEW. It's been very interesting having them on the same side. And then also you have the whole Kenta but, Mox. But angle. did you notice that there was tension between them during the match as well? Right. They weren't like buddy, buddy. They, they were not gelling. Right. They weren't too sweeting. I think that was kind of part of like the beginning of the match. It seemed like they were just not on the same page. Bro, I thought that, well, they were like pushing each other out of the way to get to Mox. So, I mean, the whole story was about, uh, take one thing I didn't like about the match. One thing I want to throw out there: Archer was chilling in the corner, doing nothing but just kneeling down for like fucking forever, just watching them beat the shit out of Mox. <laughs> yeah. now, and like he's in the camera shot doing this, and he's just looking at them, and and like he doesn't look hurt. He's not selling. He's just on a knee. And I was like, the fuck is this? <laughs> but uh, <laughs> but uh, yeah, I think it's a strong candidate for uh, excursion match of the year i definitely. think it's definitely it's, it's definitely gonna be a candidate it's up there so yeah um after the match i had a little post-match press conference new japan style here and um kenny the good brothers and don Callis were taking questions um then don Callis said this interesting thing to say he says i actually feel a little bit bad because look the bottom line is when these three brothers left the bullet club it left the opportunity for some mid-card guys to move up the chain and fly the flag those guys are good guys cal continued they don't replace Michael Jordan, as he points to Omega. He says, I think the Bullet Club guys in Japan are great. I'm not familiar with what the names are just yet, but they're flying the flag. I would like to put a stop to all these bad feelings. You know, they call us corny. I don't know how you get over using words like that, but listen, <laughs> I'd like to encourage all the fans out there, please, buy the merch. Let's get them back in the top 40 on Pro Wrestling Tees. Bro, did I not say the <laughs> same shit? Yes. Because, bro, you can't. I'm sorry, New Japan fans. I know that you're out there and you're listening, and that man's not lying, bro. You can't get over being like, y'all corny asses. <laughs> no, bro. Yeah. It's like, if I see you, I'm going to fuck you up, Kenny Omega. Like, that's you got to literally threaten violence because yeah. it's wrestling. It's fake fighting, you know? God, like, I don't know, man. 
like, (sighs) I don't know. Some people don't get it. Like, and I like Tama and uh, I've heard some good things lately about Tama's Island and his coverage of what's going on and maybe peeling back the, uh, you know, uh, the curtain a little bit, letting people get some insight. Um, I think he was going live on Twitch. Was that today or yesterday? Yeah, so he record, they recorded the Twitch stream that ends up on Tamless Island. So he goes live on Twitch first, and then that, that edited version of that goes on the podcast feed. And see, I'm I'm pretty behind on a lot of my podcasts right now. So I, I was listening to Tamless Island. I think it's pretty good, but uh, I got to catch up. But I, I, I'd like to hear his side of things. But, I mean, you know, the promos that you cut, that you put into the into the ether and that are on uh, New Japan World post match and stuff like that's the kind of stuff that really matters, and, and I don't think what he's put out there has been effective, and I don't think most of what the other guys have done has been super effective. Um, yeah, to me, to me, it just sounds like they're trying to work an angle. Well, I kind of think these guys sound like they're sort of looking to to work an angle too, but it's uh in a way it's good, but in a way it's, it's bad because he's like, Oh, those are, I mean, I get what he's doing, but he's like putting, he's really, really diminishing them and stuff. And if, if you're an AEW fan and you don't like the modern bullet club and, and you're like a hardcore elite guy, this probably, you probably love this promo. You know what I mean? Yeah. For me as a third party who kind of appreciates both sides and doesn't really care. I just think about the money and I'm like, there's not a lot of money in calling your opponents good guys, you know, call them a good little hen. There's no heat there. Right. And there's no heat on the other guy, on the other side, calling them corny. This is kind of, in a way, I know this, people will disagree with me, but this is just an extension of the really, really shitty Bullet Club Civil War from two years ago that never got paid off. And I was glad that it didn't get paid off when it happened because it, it was sucking. It was sucking balls. It, it started great. It started and then great. It, it, it nosedived. So... You bring in Kenta out and him having face-to-face interactions with Kenny Omega, I'm all for that. That's dope. But these really shitty quasi-shoot promos, like, yeah, they're they're cute and they're tongue-in-cheek, but, like, if you're going to actually do the deed, they're not – it's not going to get the job done. They kind of suck, to be honest with you. Yeah. But, I mean, the fans are listening to Callus. I checked uh, the Pro Wrestling Tees top 40, and there was at least uh, between six or ten Bullet Club items in the top 40. Uh, Pro Wrestling Tees this uh, past week so I mean I I still rock my Bullet Club uh, original shirt I think I've always thought that shirt is incredible Um, but yeah (laughs) and uh, also on some uh, more AEW Forbidden Door stuff AEW filed trademarks on the terms the Forbidden Door and the Forbidden Portal for merchandise since it was first reported by healbynature.com that's interesting you know when I heard them that they did that, I literally thought, why the fuck didn't we think of this idea? We could have... Dude, any, anybody any, Anybody could have trademarked that, and we are so fucking stupid. <laughs> oh we could have had God. the Keeping a Strong Style Forbidden Door shirts out there. No, bro. We could have sold it to AEW for a mint, bro. Like, I know, yeah. They would have bought it from us. <laughs> we're idiots. We were, we were not ahead on that one. And we have, we have connections to the office. I, I would have made a call. They would have made a call. We would have had a meeting. They would have placed an offer. And, you know, and then we, we'd have new equipment for this show. <laughs> you might have to not be working the full-time job, you know? <laughs> I don't think they piss that much. <laughs> you know, big, big bicep Tony busts out the checkbook. You know, he's, he's buying up music rights. You know, I'm sure, yeah, he buy up the rights for Forbidden Door. Yeah, I, I wish we would have done that. I, I don't know. It, it does kind of suck, though, because... That was Tanahashi's thing. Right. Like, he came up with this entire thing. <laughs> I don't know how copyright law... Like works between countries, though you know. So I don't know. Yeah, 
TK head on that one. Um, then some more Forbidden uh, Door news. The Forbidden Door to Impact has, continues to open up. Uh, they had their No Surrender pay-per-view last Saturday. At the end of the show, there was a video that aired uh, showing highlights of Finley and Juice Robinson and the NJPW logo was shown and Impact Social Media confirmed that Finn Juice is headed to Impact and that they will be appearing on uh, tonight's edition of Impact Wrestling. Yeah, so by the time next week's show airs, we'll have more updates on you know what the creative direction is and what they'll be doing over there. But I, when I saw that, I was really surprised. Um, you know, there have been reports in the past that both guys aren't necessarily the biggest fan of working third-party companies or, or independents, especially, like, I know there was uh, some distaste with working, like, ROH. Right, during the whole uh, Bloodline uh, storyline. And um, this, uh, is that what their name of their group was? Was it called the Bloodline? I think it wasn't it. Or it was like something. Blood Force? I'm pretty, uh, no. I'm, I'm Life Force? Lifeblood. Lifeblood. Life <laughs> I know I know it was blood something. <laughs> <laughs> Bro, I swear. Here's the funny thing, guys. You think we're, you, that probably sounds like trolling. Like we, what? that was not a bit. I did not fucking Dude, remember not, the name of the group. <laughs> it just didn't ring. Like what you said, the light, I was like, lifeblood, that doesn't sound right. Uh, that's funny. Yeah, I think bloodline was. Uh, I do that with like X-Men though. I'll be like X-Factor, X-Force, Alpha Force, X, oh, I don't know. <laughs> I think Bloodline, that was like Roman's thing, I think, with the Usos when they were teaming for a little bit. I don't know. Fuck them. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but uh, anyway, so it, it's interesting that they're going to be working Impact. Uh, but, you know, it, we're, again, we're in the middle of a pandemic. They're, they're not getting, you know, regular dates. Uh, they're, it, now, here's the crazy thing about it. You know, I'm just focusing on that one aspect. I mean, let's think about how crazy this is. This is a company, New Japan Pro Wrestling, where a couple years ago, they told Davy Boy Smith Jr. he could not work Impact <laughs> because Jeff Jarrett screwed them over years ago. Keep in mind, this was Anthem's TNA Impact. Anthem, a Canadian company headed by Scott Demore and Don Callis, that none of the original like management, the staff, the production, the the ring crew, like none of it was the same company, you know. And they're like, "Oh, Davy Boy Smith, you want to work there?" Fuck, nah. nah, fuck that. <laughs> fuck Dixie. <laughs> fuck Jeff Jarrett. <laughs> They're like calling him out. They're like, fuck Big John. <laughs> and then he, like David was like, it's not the same company. I don't want to hear it. <laughs> you, you, you shall, that is forbidden. That's, <laughs> that's the real forbidden door. Yeah. Simba, you must never go there. <laughs> and then suddenly, like a couple years later, there's a global pandemic. And they're like, oh shit, you want to work? You want to work Tuesday night? Sure. All right, kid. <laughs> yeah, so it's just crazy. I, I find this very interesting, especially you know they they still have a partnership with Ring of Honor, and we've seen very little interactions between ROH and New Japan since the pandemics happened. We've seen ROH guys like Brody King, Flip Gordon, Ray Horace on uh, New Japan Strong, but we Justin really, Gabriel, yeah, Justin Gabriel. Uh, we've seen Bateman in the last couple of weeks, but we really haven't seen it. New Japan really sent any guys over to the ROH tapings. You know, they've been doing stuff in their bubble and doing tapings. I think that might be part of the issue is that they have a bubble and so does New Japan. You know, mm -hmm. they're really keeping their guys insulated uh, for the most part, working strictly within like the California area. Even like Bloodsport this weekend, if you noticed, all the guys that were on that were guys that they trust that work for New Japan that are kind of insulated already. 
Well, yeah, the rumors are that it, it was at the same uh, studio. It may have been. Uh, the set looked completely different, but, I mean, you, you can make things look different, so I don't know. And, and I think that's the case. But uh, I think the last time New Japan sent anybody for ROH was they sent Rocky and they sent uh, uh, Finley, Finley for the uh, Pure Tournament. For the Pure Tournament, yes. And they haven't sent anybody since then. Um, so, yeah, I mean, that's, that's kind of where they're at. I, I don't. As of right now, we don't know anything that, like, their quote-unquote partnership is done or anything like that. But they had been on bad terms ever since post-Madison Square Garden. So we're talking over – we're coming up on two years now yeah, of that crazy. show. And the thing that had reinvigorated the entire romance between the two companies was Marty Skrull getting appointed to Booker. Then Speaking Out happened. Then we didn't hear about – the partnership so much going forward plus obviously the the global pandemic which you know maybe i'm underplaying that but that's that's also out there so i don't know that they're done uh i don't see a reason that they should necessarily need to be done i think that the the landscape of wrestling especially here in in the west it's completely changing so i mean just because they're work you know they're doing talent exchanges and working shows and things like that doesn't mean that they're done i mean They'd already sort of started to kind of thaw the ice on the impact deal back at J Cup. They started right bringing Chris things. Bay in, yeah, and they've done that with GCW, MLW. You know, uh, there there's a big part of the story where people talk are talking about how AW has been so proactive in working with other companies and uh, collaborative, and that's true. But you know, maybe last week I didn't give enough credit to New Japan also doing the same thing during this pandemic. Yeah, they've been working. Yeah, they bring GCW guys in. They had some. They were bringing ROH guys in, Impact guys in, like their MLW guys. They've been working with a lot of the North American companies here. Yeah. And speaking of MLW, our good friend Rocky Romero will be returning to MLW to take on Gringo Loco on Filthy Island. Uh, so Filthy Tom is you know doing a, a knockoff gimmick of Fight Island called Filthy Island. He has a bunch of uh, fights set up for this coming Wednesday, and so so it's like Bloodsport. Uh, I don't know if all the matches are going to be blood. I have a hard time seeing Rocky oh, versus Gringo Loco as a, as a I, shoot I saw fight. Like Mil Mortis was having like an Aztec jungle fight. Yeah. And I was like, that sounds, <laughs> that sounds awesome, whatever that is. Um, yeah, so Rocky Romero, Gringo Loco, that sounds good. This past week, um, Loretto Kid and um, Leo, Rush. Leo Rush had a title unifica- uh, unification of the Triple A title and the MLW middleweight belts. And Leo Rush beat him in like 10 minutes and... He's now the co-holder of both belts, which, you know, I think there was confusion when you and I talked about this past week. The way they made, the, because in wrestling, when you hear unification. It means the two are becoming one title. Right. But like in boxing and MMA, a unified title means basically what we have with the double gold in Japan, where you have two belts that are being co-held simultaneously by one person. I, that's what they're doing. But um, also that match, <laughs> bro, look, how... If, if I told you Loretto Kid was fighting Leo Rush <laughs> in a double title match to unify two of the, uh, you know, more prestigious, you know, junior titles, what would you estimate that star rating be? I would say the floor would be four stars. That, uh, that's pretty lofty. Wow. I, I would maybe go a little lower than that. But, like, yeah, it, you'd think it, bro, I, can't, I don't think I could even give that shit three. Wow. Yeah, bro. Dude. I'm telling you, there's something wrong. There's something <laughs> yeah. wrong because, bro, 
Leo Rush has wrestled Blake Christian, Brian Cage, Loretto Kid, El Fantasmo, ACH. The list goes on and on since he's come back. Joey Janela, he hasn't had one four-star match. And he, and he's one of the greatest talents out there. Something's off. And, and dude, uh, and this will, it's MLW thing too in general. Like MLW... They do a great job of promotion. I'm, 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 I'm on their media newsletter they list all the time. I get their emails every week of all the hot matches and sneak peek clips, and, and then you watch the match. And then they post they post all these great like they make these all these interesting matches. It's like you know Loki versus uh, Jacob Fatu and Leo Rush versus Laredo Kid. They do all these kind of great matches. Like all right, this this looks kind of raw. <laughs> And then you watch it, even pre-pandemic, when they had a crowd, right. it, it would kind of fall flat. I'm like, well, in the early days, it didn't. When they first started, like, remember when it first, first... Yeah, when it had, like, Swerve on there, Matt Riddle was yeah. on there, Cobb was on there. They had, like, a lot Larry of... King. Yeah, they had a lot the of... shit was raw. Yeah. And every now and again, like, I've... I've uh, like, Loki and Tom Lawler from that this past Opera Cup, awesome. That's another excursion match, depending on how we classify... Tom Lawler by the end of the year, but like I gave that four stars easy, and I thought that match was excellent. Um, Tom Lawler and uh, Rocky Romero from the Opera Cup, really good too. So I um, mean, better than their strong match, but I agree with you for the most time. Yeah. But this match felt this match was nothing. I mean, it was like nothing. <laughs> yeah. I and but uh, the re- one of the reasons I brought up though, it's interesting because it's like they're kind of working with MLW a little bit, you know, they're letting their guys work those dates. But then at the same time, MLW has got a partnership with AAA and so does AEW. Right. And they're promotional partners with CMLL. And, you know, that's a cold war, you know, I know a lot of people are like, is this the way to like trick AAA and CMLL to work together? <laughs> no, no, it'll never, it, it won't. I mean, the closest we got to was a couple of years with LA park and uh, like Phoenix and Pentagon where they were, Kind of jumping back and forth. Yeah, yeah. They were using all, all three guys between... But that that's because money talks. And if you're a big enough star, you can kind of... And even that was, like, unheard of. But, yeah, I think that that's part of it. And I think part of the reason that some of this stuff is being allowed to happen is just because survival. People need money. People need to work. You know, I, I, I imagine when things return, it might not stay this way. Right. Uh, we had a question here from our user Grunty Dodds. He says, Lance Archer teased the idea of tagging with Minoru Suzuki at AEW Revolution on March 7th on Twitter. If this was to happen, Suzuki would have to miss the New Japan Cup. They, this may just be Archer stirring the pot, but if this was a real possibility and you were in control of NJPW, would you send Suzuki to the U.S.? Personally, I consider sending him so he could film a few episodes of Strong while he was there. Him feuding with Filthy Tom or with Team Filthy would make it a must-see show for me. I think we're just getting into the realm of uh, fantasy booking. I appreciate the question, but no, I wouldn't do it. I mean, just because they're in a state of global <laughs> emergency, uh, you know, or national emergency, and you know, two weeks there, two weeks here, it's a month. I, I don't think the juice is worth the squeeze at all. So no. Yeah, I mean, as a fan, like, I would love the idea of, you know, let's say Suzuki Archer versus the Good Brothers versus whoever on Revolution. I think that's a great idea. Having Suzuki on Strong, that's a great idea. But we're already seeing just kind of how hard, how low, like, the roster is in New Japan right now. Yes, they've been able to bring in some of the guys and guys, but the roster is not what it would be if, it, if there was no pandemic. And with the New Japan Cup coming up, 
Suzuki's a guy that's, you know, a hand you count in for a tournament like that, especially that they're doing 32 men again. You need a guy like Suzuki to kind of fill that bracket out, in my opinion. I agree. Uh, next question from Viking Pain. He asked, with all these crossovers from different promotions going on, how many surprises do you guys think the recent batches of Strong have? Any impact, AW, even NWA guys showing up? Who would you like to see show up that hasn't been on Strong? And is Strong still the Dragon Ball GT of the NJPW <laughs> universe? Uh, um, I, I think they, they have done a better job with, you know, obviously with the Moxley-Kenta storyline going on of kind of bringing Strong back into, you know, the main, you know, the, the Dragon Ball Z of the NJPW universe. Um, and you know, they've been mentioning a lot of stuff on the shows in Japan. And obviously the, the Kenta Moxley stuff is being featured heavily on New Japan World, the stuff doing AEW, stuff that's doing on Strong. So I think that storyline is, is a big thing that's kind of bringing Strong more into the, the normal storylines that's happening. But outside of that, there's still a lot of stuff that's kind of existing in its own world and doesn't really have an impact on what's going on uh, in Japan. As far as who can we see on the reaching batches of strong tapings, like that's one thing I'll give New Japan credit for. These strong tapings have are so hush hush and locked down. Like you don't know when they're filming these new set of tapings and how long they are and who they're bringing in. Um, so it, it seems like you know, also they're, they're still running off of stuff they filmed. I think at least like in December. I think also with the whole Mox and Kenta stuff that's still to air. But after that, who knows who? I mean, any. You know, we could see a Impact guys, AEW guys, NWA guys, any one of those promotions could have guys showing up on Strong once the next batch of episodes start rolling out. Um, yeah, I, I agree with everything you said there. Um, are there any Impact, AEW, or NWA guys that you imagine would show up or that you'd like to see showing up? Um, and I mean, obviously, we could just throw the name. I mean, we could be like Kenny Omega, right? We could throw but, the big names out. But there. I'm saying, just realistically, is there anything that like you could actually see as being like real that you'd like to kind of see happen? I'll uh, see from Impact. Uh, I think it'd be cool if you you get like a Chris Saban. Uh, I know Alex Shelley's kind of out of pocket right now, but like Saban, if they if they could get machine guns, that would be cool. Uh, get another Chris Bay appearance. Willie Mack. Is a guy that's super underrated in my opinion. He's, he's he's been in the California scene with Lucha Underground before, so that would also make sense. Plus, also us. <laughs> uh, yeah, Willie's What's up, a, Rich. W- Willie's a great performer. I think he would would be great to have on Strong. Manic. Uh, TJP. <laughs> Suicide. Uh, Rohit Raju, who was actually uh, interviewed here on the, the network on the Eight Bit Suplex podcast. Check that out. With uh, Josh number two and saying that was a great interview that they had with Rohit, uh, former X Division champion. He'd be a great guy to bring in on strong. Which uh, which wolf do they have there working? Is it Davy Richards? Uh, Eddie Edwards. Okay, Eddie Edwards. Um, yeah, I don't know. Maybe that'd be realistic. Maybe Eddie bring in Eddie Edwards. That'd be cool. Um, you know, one and one MLW guy that I'd like to see come back is Loki. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, that that'd be great. Uh, and they got you know they got a lot of really good guys over there at MLW too. Um, AEW, I don't know. I, I'm thinking like, is there anyone from AEW that like could fit in, make a big impact, benefit from the exposure? Kind of, you know, is there anybody that you could think of that like is kind of a good fit for Strong? Um, well, I know there's been a lot of buzz around this guy about 
um, Forbidden Door stuff, Sammy Guevara recently leaving the inner circle, saying he needs to leave. I know there was a story about him turning down some creative from Impact. Uh, I, I wouldn't go with him. Mm. And the reason I'm saying that is because unless there is a good creative, it doesn't make sense. Like, you know, it's such a non-narrative-driven show. I just don't know what kind of impact you you know <laughs> that you could really make with him. Um, I think that there was a time and place where maybe you could have done that, but now with him being in the middle, of yeah, this right, big right story, now wouldn't be the best time. But I'm just thinking of a guy who could fit that like that junior style. Oh, I'd be, I wouldn't be against it at all. I think he's fantastic. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, private parties, a team we're seeing that's been making the rounds. I think it'd be good for them to get some more match time. Um, you know, Jurassic Express, those guys are big in the California scene. Jungle I, Boy. I wouldn't want to see either of those two teams. Like, I just don't know if they fit strong. Yeah. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like, I'm thinking of, like, the aesthetic of, like, it, it's in the small little, you know, thing, and it's so sports-oriented. I don't think both of those are really flashy, kind of gimmicky teams, you know? Yeah. I, I don't know. I, I probably wouldn't go with them personally. I don't know if there is a lot of people in AEW that maybe I'd bring in. Maybe like Butcher and Blade. Mm. Yeah, I could see those guys kind of fitting in. Yeah. Kind I mean, of no nonsense, kind of ready. Like fight like Brody King and fight like Jared Kratos and shit like that. Yeah. Like that might be cool. I don't know. Yeah. And as far as NWA, I think Nick Aldis is the only guy that's left. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, you know, there's a team that I think would be awesome in Strong. Who? Team Taz. Mmm. All of them. Hook, yeah. too. Yes. <laughs> give me give me Hook. <laughs> the goon. Yes. Um. So, I don't know. We, I think we spent a lot of time on this Forbidden Door shit. Yeah. <laughs> uh, then, so let's... Uh, we actually had something else here, right? Yeah, so this is going to lead into our discussion of the new beginning in Hiroshima. Two nights back to back, February tenth, February eleventh. Uh, started off with a question here from Reddit user the Peaky Blinder. Says no doubt this will be an unpopular opinion, but New Beginnings was underwhelming apart from the Tana Shingo match, which was outstanding, which was outstanding, and the two very good time limit draws on the Road Two shows and the Never Six Man. Sonata Ibushi and Hiromu Show have both had better matches. The two main shows seem to have taken us even further into the Western style of pro wrestling. From matches not getting started, DQ finishes, to the total opposite of referees allowing blatant cheating to happen right in front of them, with refs even being pushed over, and finally, the most ridiculous one, fighting over a glove that makes the wearer possessed. What are your thoughts on the continual progression into sports entertainment? Um, I don't know, man. I, I, don't, I don't think I see it that way, to be honest with you. Uh... <sighs> I've watched New Japan for a long time. These elements have always been there. Um, I'm I'm not denying that there is an over-reliance on some of the gimmicks and the cheating and things like that, but, like, make no mistake about it. This was way fucking worse this past year when Naito and Evil were on the top. <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah. we got a cl- we, we, we got some, and we'll talk about the, the whole show here, but, like, this wasn't happening... Uh, in the junior title and the IWGP heavyweight title, you know, um, those were clean endings to the closes of shows. Right. So, I mean, that's one thing I would say, and I'm not going to sit here and try to deny that these things happened. They did happen. They were problematic. I think I will, we'll take them case by case, but like, uh, 
I, I don't know that I agree that this whole indictment is like Western, the Westernization of New Japan, because this stuff has always been in New Japan. Right, especially, you know, with the Bullet Club being there, there's been a lot of just kind of heels. I mean, the referees, that's that's been a problem for years now with the referees kind of being bullied and pushed over, them allowing things to go. Uh, so that's kind of been there. Um, and then I think part of the problem while we're seeing maybe some more DQs, maybe some more non-finishes, is just the fact that they need stories to continue. They need to find a way to put off some of the big matches just because the roster is a little thin right now. That is what it and, is. And you can't give everything away on one show right now. Well, well here's the thing. There's a travel ban, right? Mm-hmm. So they're limited to who they can have and who they can't have, uh, especially since they went into a state of emergency. And then in order, because they're in a state of emergency, they're they're starting earlier. They're getting less fans they're, they're needing to make up the losses, which means they need to run more shows, but they don't have the manpower or the good creative to accommodate it. So like you said, they're protecting their stars and their stories the same way that they used to do it in the 80s. And that's the thing. Like, I'm sorry, but this stuff happened in the 80s. I, I watched New Japan and All Japan and, and all that shit. And maybe not exactly this, but like, bro, the same shit was happening back then. And it was the same thing was like they needed to protect their stars. So you got less clean finishes and I'm not advocating for, I'm not saying this is a good thing. I'm just saying, I think it's the wrong, um, the wrong thing to attribute it to the Westernization of new Japan. Cause I bro, Western fans that like would watch this wouldn't even recognize it. Right. You know what I mean? Like it, this is not a Westernized show. Um, I, I do have problem. You know, I've got more problems with, creative and the booking than I do with some of the agenting quote unquote of the matches, you know, uh, I'm not a big fan of all this stuff and we'll talk about it as we go through, but uh, I, I just don't completely agree with this uh, assessment. Well, what do you think about his thoughts on the new beginnings being underwhelming? I somewhat agree and somewhat disagree because there was some really good... I mean, bro, everything with the Empire and everything with Tenzan and Kojima uh, and Tenkoji in them, that stuff was gold. Dude, I, I loved the build of that. I loved New Beginning in Nagoya. I wrote... I was so energized from that show. wrote an awesome review over at WrestlingHeadlines.com. I was so excited to talk Cheap about that plug. show. <laughs> <laughs> I was so excited to talk about that show here on Keeping a Strong Style. Like, I, I love that show. I loved Okan and Tenzan, Kojima and Osprey and Shingo and Tanahashi. Those were just those three. Those three matches were built so well, and it just was just a great show. And then you move on to you know New Beginning of Hiroshima, which we're going to talk about here. And I don't know what it was, man, but I just I was not feeling either of these show overall. I think they were definitely to me. I, I would agree that. Both these nights were a little bit underwhelming. Some, well, some great main events. Well, it's the same thing that we, we've we talked about. They split up the show into three nights. But the, the reality is they had enough great matches to make one really good card. And instead, they split it up into three to have three shows with almost nothing but filler. And then a couple bit high-end matches at the top of the card. They're playing fast and loose with the rules because it's the same thing I said earlier. They just... They don't have the manpower. They need the money. 
And so they're spreading themselves too thin with the booking, the stories, and, and everything like that. And it's it's a necessary evil. And guess what? It's going to continue this year because we've already heard insight that they're going to keep doing double shows. So, like, you're going to get, like, two um, Dantakus this year, probably. You're going to get two Destructions. You're probably going to get two two Nights of Dominion. They're going to be splitting regular shows that were traditionally one night into multi-nights because they have to. Right. With the limited capacity audience, you need to have these two shows to make up for the loss of not being able to pack, pack a bunch of people into one building for a big show. And and I'll say this too. We're going to criticize Gato's booking as it comes along. But at the same time, I don't know if there's any other booker who's more capable given the cards that are being dealt to him, you know, with a limited roster, expanded dates, and all these travel provisions and everything like that. It's it's a tough task, yeah. uh, for sure. Wait, let's run through these cards. I mean, some of these matches we probably won't say much about. Uh, we'll get we can kind of feature it on the, the big matches. Well, one thing I want to say before we move on, because I want to address the idea that this tour was luck, lackluster. The stories were not lackluster. We got, you know... The, we, we're, we're pretty much on the precipice of seeing Yota Suji and Yuya Moore graduate. They're both angling for big matches against top single stars. That's been playing out the entire time. And they've been wildly entertaining as they've been doing it. Uh, we saw the, you know, further rise of El Fantasmo on commentary. Which is great, yeah. And and the, the, the thing with the boo. And, you know, much to the boo-hoo of many people, you know, what I considered a great junior title match you know, in the middle of the uh, the road two shows or junior tag team title match, um, you know, beyond that, the the chaos and um, what's it called stuff, bullet club, bullet club stuff. Uh, also, you know, at at a certain point, I will say this: the Okada evil stuff, while on the big shows, I think has sucked. The build was good, right? And so, I mean, there's been stuff like this, like there've been good stories that have been happening. It's just. Uh, you know, I think people are judging the entire tour based off of the big shows, which, you know, the, I think that the the big shows are supposed to be the culmination of these stories. That's where they're falling flat. Right. And I think we're seeing a lot of continuation. Like, we're not seeing a lot of blow-offs. We're, just, we're seeing a lot of angles yeah. that are leading into more shows. Which I'm fine with the angles part of it. It's just the, the some of the, the creative and booking. So, yeah, let's go through this. Yeah, so we had the opener on February 10th, Desperado, Minoru Suzuki, and Yoshinobu Kanemaru, they defeat... Gabriel Kidd, Yodosuji, and Yu Yamura as the R.I.P. Yamura tour continues. <laughs> Suzuki continues to just slap the crap out of Yamura there. Then the second match of the night, we had a first singles matchup. Big matchup here. Bushi defeating Master Wato, who was accompanied by Hiroshi Tenzon, 11 minutes and 8 seconds. I had a question here from Dundiesel86. This is the Wato Bushi match is probably my favorite Wato match so far. Do you think him being clunky and botching certain spots are part of his way to the Grand Mastery gimmick, or is it just inexperience and lack of development? Sort of a longer drawn out version of Okada's Wrestle Kingdom six match against Yoshihashi. Sometimes he looks really good, and then in the same match he looks like a total dork. I want to root for the guy, but I'm just not sure what to think. Yeah, I mean we've we've kind of um explored this to death and and i'll say this the bushi wato match i kind of anticipated wato finally getting a big win 
it's kind of strange because it feels like they're doing a story where he should be winning, but he's continuously losing, right? Right. I, I feel like they, yeah, they set up kind of, the, they tee up these kind of big moments for him to kind of get these wins, and then, yeah, it just comes to the end, and he loses. And maybe it's like a sympathy thing, but, you know, they did that to Goto for years, and let's, you know, look at how it paid out for Goto. Um, here's the only problem I have with it, is, like, he got big wins during the, the best Super Junior, so it's sort of like they kind of, like, ignored all the Super Junior wins. Right. Like, that's, like... Like, he didn't beat Desperado <laughs> in the main event in Cork and Hall. So, I don't know. Um, it's kind of strange. But I actually thought that this was one of the better Watto matches. Uh, I didn't love it, but I thought it was – I thought he seemed pretty competent. Yeah, there were some botches, but I've come to expect that. I don't think it's a gimmick. I don't think it's a work. I don't think it's part of the story. I don't think that he's intentionally doing these things. Um, I think it's just a lack of confidence. And I think it's uh, perception becoming reality. Right. And it's him, you know – trying to infuse that Lucha style into what he was doing. Because we talked about before, when he was here at Kawato, he was sticking to the basics, doing the, the normal Young Lion style, he was great. Then he went to Mexico, he, he's coming back, he's trying to incorporate you know, a lot of these planchas and dives and tornillos and springboard stuff. But you know what the weird thing is? Sometimes that stuff is the stuff he's succeeding at, and sometimes it's basic things, like, like just rolls and shit that he's not getting, you know? Yeah. And I think it's a, I think it's a confidence issue. I really, really do. I think it's strictly a confidence issue at this point because uh, there's just no way he's been wrestling for this long and doesn't know how to do it. I've got, like, I don't know. I think it's anxiety and I think it's, you know, perceptions and, you know, the, the, the little murmurings and shows like us and, and fans <laughs> online who are talking about it. And, it, you know, if you're a performer and, you know, people are criticizing you, I mean, I, I could see how that might affect your performances. Yeah, yeah, it has to it has to be a confidence issue. Yeah, I enjoyed this match. I, I was I was surprised that Bushi won though. I was surprised that Bushi won also. I, I was for sure thought this was gonna be a, a setup for Watto to get the win. Cause I think Bushi beat him in Super Juniors, right? I don't remember. <laughs> I'm pretty sure Bushi got the win the first time, so I was expecting Watto to get the the win back here. The other thing too, though, they're clearly moving towards a program with uh, Ishimori and. Uh, ELP against the uh, LIJ juniors. So it made sense from that standpoint that Bushi would win here. I was anticipating them going back to Suzuki Goon for those junior titles. Yeah. But uh, since they're not going that direction, they're going back back to LIJ. Uh, Bushi's win here makes sense, but I thought the match was pretty good. And um, yeah, I don't have a lot to, to criticize or anything like that. Yeah, fine match for 11 minutes, 8 seconds. Uh, Bushi gets the win with the MX. And yeah, we move on. Uh, also, Dundee asked, is it safe to say that Bushi has the greatest mask in wrestling? The greatest pre-masks. He doesn't have the greatest mask that he wears to wrestling. It's the, the masks he wears beforehand. And we've always talked about how Bushi has to have the most drip of anybody in LIJ because he's the worst one. Yeah. Yeah, his pre-match masks are awesome with the lights and the tongues and all the kind of crazy design he does. And then he takes it off and just, you know, regular old Lucha mask. Next match, we had Chaos Team of Goto, Okada, Ishii, Yano, and Yoshihashi. They defeated the Bullet Club team of El Fantasmo, Evil, Jay White, Taiji Ishimori, and Yujiro Takahashi, seconded by Dick Togo and Gato. 12 minutes and 8 seconds. Yeah, so once again, it's a kind of continuation here of the Chaos versus Bullet Club storyline that's been going on 
also the never six man champs. Also, that's another aspect of this tour that has been fantastic is the Jay White storyline with Ishii, Goto, and uh, Yoshihashi. Yeah, and so that's been a heavy focus of the tour, and it's been some exciting stuff and all of their, a lot of their interactions. Just you know, those guys just wanted to kill Jay White. Yeah. Um, so that's been a lot of fun. And then, yeah, the, the, the brawls between Okada and Evil have been really good. We've talked about how entertaining, you know, Phantasmo has been um, in these matches and in, in this feud here. We, we actually got in, uh, into a chat in our wrestling group, uh, one of our chats here locally, and um, Rich asked about the Evil Okada stuff. And this, I hadn't seen the second night yet. So I was like, I was like, you know, it's been pretty good, actually. And, yeah. like, that sounded like Cap. You know, because anyone who's like evil in Okada, I'm like, but, you know, I was basing that completely off these road two shows where they've been doing these all these post-match beatdowns and stuff and uh, Okada challenging him to singles matches and him not obliging and the chairs and everything. And I was like, they've gotten pretty decent heat to the point where I was like, I might be okay with seeing it. I was wrong. (laughs) But then but then in the same breath, uh, Dan Coffin, what's up, Dan? Um, He was like, it's been shit. And I think that's because he saw like the big match stuff, right? And I was like, how how could it possibly be shit? I've been uh, these road two shows have been fire. Like I don't get it. <laughs> yeah, there's been a lot of heat and it's intensity between Okada and Evil and all the brawls they have been doing. But now I get it. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but yeah, this was your kind of standard uh, multi man match here with Chaos getting the win, Yano pinning um, Yujiro Takahashi. Getting the win for the Chaos team there. Then post-match, Okada baited Evil into the ring, went after him, but Evil uh, took a powder, ran away, and refused to face Okada. After that, we had uh, Sonata and Tetsuya Naito. They defeated the team of Kota Ibushi and Tomoaki Hanma, 11 minutes and 2 seconds. This was a preview match for the IWGP heavyweight title, uh, double gold match between Sonata and Ibushi for night 2. And kind of like the stamp for the Naito and Hanma feud um, with Naito going over Hanma again. Yeah, Destino, one, two, three, gets Hanma out of there real quick. Little preview for Sonata and Ibushi. But again, throwing it out there, as, as we're praising the Road 2 shows, I'm not sitting here praising this main Hiroshima card because out of these four matches that we've seen, Three of them were multi-man previews that t- basically are road two matches. Right. Essentially, they're road two matches. They don't belong on a Hiroshima card. Yeah, that was honestly my problem with these shows. It, it felt we've gotten filler. We've gotten so many road two shows, and this just felt like a another road two show with two with a big semi-main and main event. Yep, I agree. Uh, so speaking of a semi-main event, we have the Gorillas of Destiny, Tamatonga, and Tangaloa defending their tag titles against the dangerous Techers, Tai Chi, and Zack Sabre Jr., who were accompanied by Doki. 29, eight, 29 minutes and 8 seconds, G.O.D. retains by disqualification. Jeremy, why don't you go ahead and uh, give us your breakdown? Yeah, so... Clearly, you know, the story going on here between these two teams was the Iron Glove, Tamatanga stealing the Iron Glove from Tai Chi, also which was handed down to Tai Chi from Iska, and, you know, a very important item to him. And we've seen Tama taking all kinds of pictures with the Iron Gloves and night after night uh, pretending to bring out the Iron Glove and 
a bunch of stuffed animals and toilet paper and all kind of random stuff being pulled out of bags. And, um, you know, Tai Chi cared more about the getting the iron glove back than uh, winning this match. And, that, and that's what cost them here. Um, Tama does bring out the, the iron gloves here um, in this match and, uh, you know, tries to use it uh, for their advantage. But, you know, Tai Chi, you know, gets his hands back on the iron glove back in his possession and, you know, he pretty much turns into Iska here, goes crazy, and uh, hits Tamatonga with the iron fingers, and uh, was just getting ready to unload with him. They call for um, the DQ after all shenanigans and ref bumps and iron finger spots, and, yeah, we, we got a 29-minute match that, that ends in this DQ, and on, it was honestly more about the story of, of Tai Chi getting back the, the iron fingers, you know, post-match, um, Kanamaru and Saber had a hard time controlling him. Uh, Kanamaru had to, to take the, the Iron Fingers off of him and put it back in the bag. And so, kind of seeing Tai Chi just kind of descending into madness here. Yeah. Uh, and I mean, so as far as the match itself, this is this is a tandem that has been very hit and miss. Uh, we saw them during the uh, World Tag League, and I thought that the match they had was pretty underwhelming, you know? Then they went into the Tokyo Dome, and I thought they had a four-star tag team match. Like, I, I think it's probably going to be a tag team match of the year candidate when it comes to award season. Very, very good match. Really enjoyed it. Didn't know what to expect here, but based on this story, and if you notice, when, when I talked about the good things that have been happening on the tour, I didn't really talk too much about this story. Granted, I've had some enjoyment of the story, I've also kind of known that it was a setup for some bullshit. <laughs> now, I didn't anticipate DQ, but remember last week, I think you thought Dangerous Techers were going to win, right? Uh, initially. Am uh, I wrong on that? No, I felt I, I thought G.O.D. was going to retain, but would actually win, like, get a pinfall. Got you. I just remember when we were having the discussion, I was like, you know, my my main reasoning was... Zach is focused on winning the tag titles, restoring honor to the division, that their dominance, yada, yada. And then Taichi's just losing his damn mind over these uh, <laughs> fucking iron fingers. And that's the story. Now, from that standpoint, did they fulfill the story of the match that it was about the iron fingers? Yes, they did. Does that make it good? No, it doesn't. Yeah. Now, the match was good. Yeah, they were a good part. Pretty much all the non-Iron Finger stuff was pretty good. Like, I thought it went too long, but it started okay, and then it started to lull, and then it started picking up, and towards the end, it got the, the really The closing stretch good. before the Iron Finger stuff was really good, it yeah. It peaked super high, and I was like, oh, this match, they these motherfuckers did it again. <laughs> then the Iron Finger stuff started happening at the end, and I was like, oh, no. No, and then I knew what was going to happen. I was like, he's going to fucking hit him with it in front of the ref. Now, that's one thing I will say. We had a, The question was like, blatant che cheating in front of the ref, as if the ref didn't throw the match out. The ref's been throwing... The refs there have been, been... Yeah. There have been a lot of uh, DQs and matches getting thrown out. So that's one thing. It's like, you know, you can't have it both ways. We want to criticize the refs for being stupid, but then, um, you know, we, like we've had people asking questions and on message boards and stuff, acting like these referees aren't, you know, expressing their authority and throwing matches out. They have been on this tour. I know people don't like DQ finishes and stoppages, but we've been, we've gotten quite a few on this tour. Maybe that's one reason that it's left a bad taste in people's mouth. But dude, here's, here's my thing. 
29 minutes and 8 seconds. You didn't need 29 minutes and 8 seconds in the semi-main Dude, event. Th- this, this could have been done in 10 minutes. Yeah, that, that, that was fucked up. You guys shouldn't have done that. It, it was not good. And then the other thing is that they're not continuing the feud beyond this. Like, uh, the next night, you know, Zach and Taichi talk about how they're going to continue on into singles roles and then come back together when the time is right to, you know, refocus on tag teams. So they're not going to be getting a return match. So this was a way, again, what was the whole, what was the reasoning for this? It was protection. They were protecting Tai Chi and Zach, who are both, you know, top, you know, upper mid card singles guys who they didn't want them, either one of them being made to look weak going into New Japan Cup, eating the pinfall. Right, because so I'm sure both of those guys are going to have a good New Japan Cup and are going to be right. focuses on, on whatever side of the bracket they're on. Right, so, you know, I mean, this just screams of 80s All Japan and 80s New Japan to me. Like, and, and that's the funny thing. People are calling it Westernization. I'm calling it Classic Puro, because this <laughs> is Classic Puro. And, you know, the stuff with Iron Claws reminds me of a, stuff that they used to do with Abdul the Butcher and with the Sheik, and, bro, you get, bro, Abdul I'm telling Spikes and stuff like that. Yes, bro. Like, uh, Baron Von, like, God, I'm tr- a killer called Krupp in New Japan and, um, Andre the Giant and fucking, uh, Tiger Jeet Singh. They all used to do this shit. Like, this is very much New Japan <laughs> <laughs> from the seventies and the eighties. So, I mean, this is not Westernization at all, but, uh, yeah, I didn't, I was pissed I, and I couldn't believe after 29 minutes they did that. I really felt deflated especially when the match was so good and then to to do that you know i i i figured the gloves would be involved in the finish because that was the story right i didn't figure it would result in a dq and that really sucked yeah i, I didn't expect it to be such a big part of the ma- have like a whole segment of the match i was thinking oh that's the whole story of the feud at this I, point i know but i thought it was going to be something real quick at the end the, the fingers kind of come out they had to, they had to be they've been the focus in every preview match so they had to be the, the the focus in this match i'm not saying i'm a fan of it yeah but that's what they chose to do now um i don't i don't know if it's going to be like this uh this whole thing where like they're possessed by it anymore or whatever but you know they've they already established that like mythology that lore. <laughs> they established that lore a long time ago with Iska, so it's not like they're just like suddenly injecting this into New Japan. It was like that stuff. With, bro, when did when, what was it? 2012, 2013, when uh when Iska started doing this shit. So I mean, this is not new. <laughs> yeah, and, and since Tama's lost the Iron Fingers, he's been back to normal. He hasn't been. Goofing off like he was um, this whole tour, and also Tai Chi's been keeping the fingers in in the little um, uh, satchel bag thing or whatever he has. It's little uh, now, fanny now, pack. Now make no mistake, when I'm saying that this stuff's not new, I'm not making excuses for it or saying it is good. What I'm saying is, don't call it Westernization when it's been there before. When it's always been there, you know, don't misrepresent what is happening. Don't say they're going towards WWE. They're going towards their roots. This is New Japan shit. Yeah, but a lot of people don't know that. <laughs> the, uh, like, now, if, like, you know, I don't know. Like, so, like, when Baba, like, started inter- interjecting, like, uh, sports entertainment and, you know, his pro love shit into All Japan, that was westernization because that was a strictly, strictly sports-based product. But New Japan's never strictly been that. 
Right. It's, it's always had this. They've kind always of, had entertainment. Some kind of aspect of this. So yeah. So any any thoughts on this uh, tag main event here or semi main event? I, I think it's really disappointing because we, we've we seen on one occasion that they're capable of having a really great match with a really great story. And we even saw flickers of that in this match. And then that all went away. And sure, they can walk away and, you know, they can rehab all these guys. But for right now, I'm down on all of them. Yeah. I mean, and I'm it, not high on any. It's always things that happen where... Especially with G.O.D., they will have a great match or a great performance, and we, we praise them. And, you know, how can people say the team is bad? And then they go out here and they do stuff like this, and it's like, I see why people complain about them. And then, you know, I, I know what they're probably thinking. They're like, these fucking marks don't know shit, you know. And they're pro- and to an extent, they're kind of right because this is, the, this is the booking that they got. This is the story they were told to go out there and tell. And they, they did their jobs well because they did what they were expected to do it just the story sucks so like i don't even really put it on the performers i put it on the the bad booking yeah you know and that's i don't think that's good good creative at all yeah so yeah just uh 29 minutes of a hot mess here uh <sighs> well, which, let's what, talk about the junior main event yeah and, th- and this coming off this match i was just in, in, in a down mood going into this junior main event uh, yeah so we had a junior, junior heavyweight title on the line Hiromu takahashi successfully defends a title against show 35-38, I believe, is now the longest junior heavyweight title match in New Japan history. What do you think about this uh, main event here? A junior heavyweight title match. Yeah. I thought you just said junior match. Uh, sorry, yeah. Longest junior heavyweight title match. It could it. be the longest junior match. I don't know that it is or not. I, I wouldn't be able to tell you. But, uh, yeah. <sighs> okay. So I think part of a lot of people's perception of this match probably was affected greatly by following that 29 minute dangerous techers match. And then, um, I don't know. I, I just, I had very, very, very high expectations for Hiromu and show based off of what they did in the super juniors and based off both of their capabilities and reputations. And plus what we saw in the previews was really good. So, but they went out there and, um, the match wasn't by any means bad at all. Um, but stylistically, this is not what I've come to expect from high-end junior matches. And I think that, that this is probably an indictment on both the performers as well as the match layout, whoever was involved with that. Because A, they went out there and they started the match with like the overhand chops and the slaps, which is kind of the big spot from the Dragon Lee Hiromu feud. So yeah. and we saw that last year at New Beginning. So it's like for people that watch the product and kind of know, they were like tapping into, you know, a story that has nothing to do with this and, and everything like that. Plus that 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 feud is built off of years and years of backstory, hatred and respect and, and everything like that. But they Hiromu and Shiro don't really have like share in that sort of thing. So it just fell out of place when they started that way. But then the match really lacked a lot of high flying. It lacked a lot of high speed. And it essentially was your big match heavyweight IWGP style that New Japan does in the main events, but with two juniors. And granted, I think both of these guys have the capability to compete with the heavyweights. We've seen it on multiple occasions. I think that they're good at it. But I don't know that either one of them are ready to carry that type of match style uh, at this time against one another. 
especially since when people sign up to watch a IWGB junior heavyweight title match, they're not expecting that, you know? I don't think people are thinking that they're going to go out there and get this epic heavyweight style main event. I think they were expecting to get an epic junior style main event, similar to like what we got from Ishimori and Hiromu in the Dome last year, or, you know, just last month. Uh, And this match wasn't bad, but it was overly long, 35 minutes and 38 seconds. Now, now if the match was killer at 35 minutes, I wouldn't criticize the time. The problem is it wasn't killer for 35 minutes. Right, because I've seen a lot of debate online on, is there such thing as the matches being too long? Um, people complaining about times. People, you know, arguing with people who are, are complaining about times. And yeah, I agree with you. If a match is going thirty-five minutes plus, it needs it needs to be epic. It needs to be killer. It needs to be match of the year. You know, people love Omega Okada matches. All that have gone hour, you know, the hour time limit, and you don't hear any people, you know, saying those matches are bad. Like because they beautiful story. Great work. Like everything about those matches just like perfect. And so if you're doing long matches, they have to be great. You can't have a long match that sucks for not not that this match sucked at all, but you just can't have a, a, a long match that kind of lulls and then the last five minutes you do a great closing sequence and then expect the match the whole match to be great. Well here's the thing. Both Hiromu and Show, I think long term have aspirations to be stars of the magnitude of the heavyweights. And this was their opportunity to go out there and have a main event with the junior title, which never happens. So that was a big deal, you know, a really, really big deal. So I think that they kind of maybe got a little bit in their heads. And they went out there and they tried to put on a heavyweight style match. They didn't need to go out there and put on a heavyweight style match. I felt like it was more. And now you're saying that that makes more sense. At the time, I was thinking that it was like a show match. Because there was a lot of striking, a lot of grappling. Um, it's a lot of stuff that more more show would do. There wasn't a ton of like high spots, high flying. We didn't get that kind of quick burst that we normally get out of Hiromu matches. I I didn't see it that way, but that would make sense. Maybe that was the logic behind it, you know. But I mean, we've seen like him and um, Shingo have a junior, a fast paced junior style, hard hitting match. That was similar to what heavyweights do, but it was still distinctly a junior style. This wasn't that. This was a more measured, slowed down pace. I really think they were trying to wrestle heavyweight style. Heavyweight yeah. style, but that's probably because they got told that they needed to fill thirty five minutes. Right. They, there's no you know? way that they could do that kind of quick bursting, you know, junior style and expect to go thirty five minutes. Maybe they could, but I think that they just like fell into a trap of like a no win situation. It's like. You can't. Uh, I remember one time Stone Cold Steve Austin actually talking about working New Japan, and he was like, uh, he he said like it was one of those tours where WCW was with them, and they're like, you know, Liger went out there and did his shit, and then like, you know, like Benoit went out there and did his shit and all this stuff, and he was like, like goddamn, how do I follow that? Like, <laughs> <laughs> and like all these like Eddie and all these guys and. Instead of, like, trying to outwork them, he just worked his pace, his style, to the best of his abilities. So, like, he leaned into his strengths and, like, you know, had, like, a hard-hitting Hoss-style match with, I don't know who, I think it was a tag match, Chono was involved or some shit. But, um, you know, that's the thing. Like, these guys are good at certain things. They need to be doing what they're good at. And instead, they, they got, they went out there and they fell into the trap of trying to wrestle the IWGP heavyweight house style, which was to their detriment and um it, i think it was a missed opportunity and uh 
I can't say the match was bad. It wasn't bad. You're right. I think, but I, it should have been like, a lot better. Yeah, I went four stars flat on it. I'm probably three and three quarters. Which that is, it's kind of disappointing rating for a Hiromu main event. Wouldn't you say? It, it's a disappointing for his for his main event. Yes, especially since him and Show have had better matches, and then all the expectation leaning into it. Plus, obviously, I didn't think Show ever was really gonna win. That probably right. I think hurt it too. I think there's a lot of factors hurting it. Coming off the 30 minute DQ, um, that kind of was in a down mood, and then yes, yeah, the the unbelievable factor of, of Show actually beating Hiromu. This 35-minute match not working the traditional junior style. Yeah, there's a lot of factors working against this match. And you, you come in, you think Hiromu Takahashi, show great workers, main event spotlight. You're, you're exp- I, I, was, I was thinking, man, this match will probably you know be like in the four and a half range. And I, I know star ratings aren't for aren't you know the end all be all. Not everybody believes in star ratings or whatever, but. I just had a higher standard in my head for this main event, and I, I was really disappointed by this main event. To be honest with you, I thought it was fine, um, but yeah, it, it wasn't what I expected it to be, and yeah, I was disappointed. Yeah, and there's, there's not even like a lot of like standout like spots or moments really. Like I'm, I'm, I'm looking back for me, it was a very forgettable match. Yeah, I'm, I'm trying to look back here at some of the notes here. I'm like nothing really like. Stood out or really was like man that was you know epic or awesome um, Yeah, just kind of I mean, it, it was good match, but yeah, there's just yeah, there's a lot of sizzle mi- missing to the stake here now as the match ended uh, Going to the post match El Phantasmo had uh, Unretired from commentary was doing commentary for this match and then as the match ended he uh, took his opportunity to strike he jumped over the guardrail uh, he attacked Hiromu. I didn't hear anything about the IWGP giving a slap to him or the Bullet Club the same way they did to Goto. There's no formal warning. So. Well, it's, it's English commentary. They don't care about what happens there. Oh, uh, fuck that. Uh, <laughs> and, and anyway, so he, he attacks Hiromu. Bushi comes out, makes a save in a rare LIJ, you know, stablemate saving moment. Uh, Ishimori makes his way out there. And then, uh, this is funny. Hiromu, after 35 minutes, turns around, starts throwing forearms, beats both their asses, <laughs> throws them out of the ring. And um, that shit was funny because it's like this this dude is so beat down. And then he beat both of them up and, and threw them out of the ring. Yeah. And then uh, basically ELP issued a challenge for the, yeah. for the junior title. ELP says he's not leaving Japan until he wins a junior heavyweight title. Yeah. And he uh, it was funny, too. He said that uh, you didn't win that title. This company gave it to you, even though he just beat both. Both those dudes' asses back to back nights, but you know he's trying to like break kayfabe a little bit. Yeah. Anyway, and so he said he's gonna. Uh, he said all I need is one kick. That's all I need. And um, Hiromu pretty much agrees to the match as long as they give him and Bushi an IWGP Junior Tag Team Title shot first. So that's kind of the deal going into the Castle Attack Tour, and that was the end of the night. Yeah, uh, we had a question here. From uh, you didn't put down the name. I noticed that. Yeah, I think this was from Dom Homie One Hundred One. I think, bro, it better be. It's this is embarrassing. You're <laughs> live on the air. You didn't even put the name down of who asked this question. Oh yeah, it, it was Dom Homie One Hundred One. Wow. Yeah. So he says, uh, since Young Boy had a hot take on last week's episode, here's two hot takes for the price of one. Hot take number one: I feel like New Japan missed out on a huge opportunity of pushing Show and Yo to a high level. By not having Yo screw Show out of the IWGP Junior Heavyweight Title and Show's match against Hiromu, wow. 
I know that Yo is out with an injury, but NJPW could have had a hot angle waiting for him and show once he's fully healed from his injury. Hot take number two, I'm at the, at the point where I don't want to see Chris Jericho and New Japan ring wrestling high-profile matches anymore. I feel like Father Time is kicking his ass right now, and I just feel like a guy like John Moxley brings more value to the company than Jericho does at this point. Uh, number one, um, I, I agree with your first assessment. Uh, I think that could have been really awesome. I don't know if that's what the company wants to do, but provided that they decided to go that way, that that would have been a really, really cool thing. I think the, the one bad thing is you wouldn't be able to p- probably pay off Yo's involvement right away, so it'd be like a slow burn. But I think there's a way you could do that, have him screw him and then not come back right away. And then, you know, you never know when he's going to make his return and shows calling him out and angry and blah, blah, blah. So I think that'd be cool. Uh, the second part, I disagree. Uh, Jericho brings a lot of attention, notoriety and eyes to the company every single time he's in the ring. And, and the one criticism I've really had about him is just like sometimes They've overexposed him in the past, and he's best utilized when it's sparsely. And right now, he's been away for over a year, so I think it'd be a great time to eventually bring him back. As far as Father Time kicking his ass, I don't think it's Father Time as much as I think it's booze. <laughs> I'm serious. Yeah. I think I think he needs to dry out a little bit. But I feel like he's been getting it, in better shape. He has, and that's why I'm not really opposed to it at all. It's not, bro, I mean, yeah, do I think that he might be a little bit past his peak? Yeah, I do. But I also think it's not because time. I think it's because he's not. It's health choices. I think it's health and lifestyle choices. And I think if he changed a couple things, which it looks like he might be. The man, he's doing some more DDP yoga. Yeah. Yeah. Do some more DDP yoga. Stop giving money to Trump. Uh, (laughs) You know, stop boozing so much, you know. So, yeah, I mean, at this point, yeah, Jericho's in great shape. You put him in there with the right guy, right stipulation. It's going to be. You know, big money, it's going to be a draw, and it's going to be a great matchup. How about about this other thing, too? Jericho was doing fantastic in AEW the whole time he was in the main event. You drop him from the main event, and, oh, this weird thing starts happening, but, like, he seems a little less interested. He seems a little less motivated. He's not carrying the company. But, you know, Jericho's never, aside from maybe the Okada match, has never missed in his New Japan time. You know what I mean? Right. The Kenny match was great. The Naito matches were great. Bro, the evil match is good. Yeah, the evil for Power Struggle. Like, everything he's... The, the Tanahashi match is fantastic. So, like, you're going to tell me that if, if he knows he's coming to Japan, this man's not going to get motivated, you know? Get in great shape. Have a, a great angle Come ready. On. Come on, bro. <laughs> like, I'm ready, I'm ready to fucking see Jericho in New Japan again. I might not have said that, like, a year ago, but now I am. Yeah. And as far as my take on his uh, show and yo thing, yeah, that would have been a great angle to do. But like you said, I, I don't know where yo is on the re- recovery timeline uh, from his injury. So would it have been a cool angle? Yes. But like you said, like how soon would you have been able to follow up with it? And how long could you drag it out? Especially if we, we don't know when yo is going to be, you know, cleared to come back in the action. Yeah. So let's move on to night two. We'll go through it quickly. Uh, we open up the night with Suzuki Goon. Doki, Taichi, Zack Sabre Jr., they defeated Gabe Kidd, Yota Suji, and Yuya Yamura. Eight minutes, 51 seconds. Uh, interesting thing, after this match, during the post-match, Zack Sabre Jr. started talking about how Gabe Kidd was 
from the LA dojo and you know, why is he here? Why isn't he in LA and what's Shibata doing? And he started calling out Shibata like he wants to fight Shibata. Hmm. I mean, I don't anticipate that they're going to be <laughs> fighting anytime soon, but it just was really strange. Like he spent the whole entire promo talking about how he would beat Shibata's ass. Maybe it's just one of those random backstage promo moments or I just want to throw it out there. Maybe, maybe we're going to get a, a mini uh, Saber Gabriel Kid feud which I'd be down with. I really love their interaction in this match, kind of the, the exchanging of holes and kind of chain wrestling that they were doing towards the end there. Gabe is angling for a singles match with Zach. So all three of these guys have a, a guy, all three uh, young lions have a singles guy that they're angling for right now. Yeah, I think that'd be a good New Japan Cup matchup. Next match, Master Wato, Sho, and Tomoaki Hanma defeated Suzuki-Gun team of El Desperado, Minoru Suzuki, and Yoshinobu Kanemaru. There was a change, right, from last week because there was supposed to be a multi-man match with Suzuki-Gun in the Bullet Club, and that ended up getting changed completely. Right, because the, the Never Six-Man title match got added on. Oh, gotcha. But, no, but we'd already... De- I mean, that was part of the rundown last week. Yeah. I don't know. Anyways, um... Yeah, so Wato Show and Hanma win here. Uh, interesting thing. Now, I wanted to throw this out there. Wato, during the post-match, was uh, kind of getting quasi-interviewed by um, Tenzon. And this was the most lively, vibrant, and talkative I have seen him since he's returned from Excursion. And he was happy. Really happy. I don't know if it was because of his performance, but then they start talking about how him and Show looked really good out there. And he was like, I would love to te- continue to team with Show. He's like, I think we could do really big things in the junior title scene. And I was like, Wato was like doing full, and he was smi- all smiles, like huge smiles. It was actually like really, if you haven't seen it, I would recommend checking it out. It was kind of endearing. I, like it was the first time I saw a personality come out of Wato, mm-hmm. like the way he used to be as a young lion. Yeah. And I was like, that's Wato. Like he, <laughs> he's still in there. Um, and he was like, smiling. he's like, I would really like to, to, you know, team with Wato and they, le- or with, uh, with show. And they kept really alluding to the idea that show and Wato might be teaming up going forward. Well, yeah, I mean, you, you need some junior teams in there. It can't just be bull club and Suzuki Goon and LIJ over and over again. I think a fresh team would be good. And, and that's how you can set up your yo turn. Like yo's out. Oh, you, you replaced me while I was out. You're teaming up with this blue haired geek. And that's how you can do the feud right there. Here's the only way I can uh, kind of describe what I mean by how endearing this was. It'd be like if you were talking to a 12-year-old kid about his crush. <laughs> and then they, like, got bashful about it, like, started smiling. And, like, you could tell they really liked him. That's how Show reacted about, like, teaming with Yo. Or with, with uh, Watto, teaming, Watto with. teaming with Show. Uh, we have a question here from Red User Viking Paints. Is after his hilarious recent botch... What would you do with poor Kawato? Send him back to the dojo to relearn some of the basics again to rebuild confidence or just let him continue to roll with the punches and hope that the iron sharpens iron? What was the embarrassing botch? So I think he's referring to the the jackknife pin here that happened at the end of this match. Wato really struggled to get that jackknife pin on, uh, I believe it was Kanemaru. I don't know, man. I I kind of, I watched this match, but you know, I don't know. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, I did watch it, but I mean, bro, it's Watto Show and Hanma against Suzuki Goon. How much, <laughs> how much attention did you want me to pay here? <laughs> yeah, I, I, I did. I did notice that at the end there, he was struggling for that jackknife. He was like too close to the ropes and just couldn't get it. And then finally, he got it and got the the pin for the team there. Um, I I don't know the answer to this because I've never managed wrestlers and I I couldn't 
I, I think all of us would be lying if we claim to know how to how to build a star, you know. I guess one thing I'm thinking is like, um, sure, it's great to work in the dojo, but it's that's not the same as working under the lights and working in front of a crowd. Um, I think you might need to understand at some point that this guy maybe isn't what you built him up to be initially and maybe start rehabbing him. And that might mean hiding him a little bit in, in a tag team, hiding him in a faction, maybe diminishing his role. I'm not saying like, de-push him i'm just saying maybe not set him up so high so that like it's you know abundantly clear that he's gonna fail you know right hide his weaknesses emphasize his strengths i I think a tag team would show would be a great way to go in in the time being yeah put him with somebody that can that he can learn from and that he can benefit from working with and maybe regain his confidence i don't know that's my thinking (laughs) So next match of the night, we had LIJ, Bushi, Hiromu, and Naito defeating the Bullet Club team of ELP, Taiji Ishimori, and Yujiro Takahashi. So obviously kind of setting up the Hiromu-ELP rivalry here as well as the tag team rivalry. Yeah, I think for some reason, I think that this LIJ Bullet Club team match was originally going to be Suzuki-Goon and Bullet Club. Because we talked about it last week. Oh, you know what? They probably switched it for the junior challenges. I think they did switch it, and that's why I was confused. Um, but anyway, so, well, I mean, I, that's kind of good, though, you know, because on the one hand, it really seemed like, based on the booking of the cards, that they are going to keep going with Suzuki Goon and Bullet Club. And then last minute, they changed it to LIJ, which kind of keeps, you know, guys like us on our toes because you can't just look at the card and just you know, purely predict what's going to happen. Right. But, um, yeah, this is another filler card match, another preview, and, you know, we're pretty much building to the two junior teams going up against one another. Um, I don't have much to say here. Yeah, Naito gets the win here with a Destino and his former No Limit partner, Yujiro Takahashi. LJ gets the win here. And we went to another Bullet Club match. We have Dick Togo and Evil taking on Kazuchika Okada and Toriyano. This ended in a double countout at uh, 1 minute and 27 seconds, which then led into Okada and Evil uh, having a little 5-minute and 41-second match, which ended very quickly by disqualification. Here's another thing I've got a problem with. Um, When they decided to go with Evil as a top guy last year, Everyone talked about them going in a new direction, giving new guys up to blah, blah, blah. I don't want to rehash it. But then he's still doing the stuff a year later that he was doing back then. But when he did it before, it was new, fresh, bold, and exciting. Now it's a year later and it's westernization. Mm. Why wasn't it that last year? Why wasn't it when people were talking, when, when guys like us were saying that this was a bad decision, you made the wrong call... We were being short-sighted, not open-minded, and, and all that shit. And wh- where was the westernization calls last year when the Groat Wire first came out? Right. You know and, what I mean? And the low blows. And the low blows. And, and the ref bumps, pulling the ref out the ring. And now and now we've gotten a year, a year of it. And you know what? I still don't think very many people are calling this shit out when it comes to... It's like evil kind of gets the pass that a lot of other guys don't get. I don't understand it. But... Uh, <laughs> um, this sucked. This yeah. absolutely sucked. Yeah, so yeah, we get the double count out. We get the DQ finish. Uh, question here from Dom Homie 101. Thoughts on the whole evil Okada angle that took place during night two of the beginning of Hiroshima? 
to be honest, I kind of had no problem with it. It's okay to spice things up once in a while. Now, here's where it got cool. So the, the match, they, they, they do the double count out because, you know, evil doesn't want to fight Okada. You know, it's sort of like that kid who beats you at something and then tells you he's never going to fight you again. Yeah. Um, like, he gets a win over you, and then he's done. And you know you could beat him, but he's not going to give he's you like, an opportunity. like, nah, play it. <laughs> so that's sort of like Okada is, like, getting heated up because and evil's marginalizing him, making him more and more mad. So then Okada challenges him to a singles match right then and there, just like he's done on multiple occasions during this tour. Yeah. Only this time he says yes. Now, when that happened... I was like, oh, shit, they're doing it. I was like, thank God, because this was the fourth filler match on this card, and now we're getting a singles match out of it. I was like, they f- they are doing something cool and exciting. I was like, we're idiots. We should have seen this coming. They've been teasing it the entire tour. This is great. I was like, man, everyone was talking shit about this feud. I knew this feud was getting good. <laughs> I knew it. And then, and then. Then the garrote <laughs> strikes again. And you know what? It started good. Evil and Okada ran dude, up. Dude, they were like exchanging forearms. Yeah. I was like, yes. <laughs> Bro, I got I got hype. I, I thought it was so good. I was like, yeah. And then like suddenly it, it just started sucking. And then all of a sudden like it sucked. Yeah. And as evil, evil's winning the match here. That and, made no fucking sense. Yeah. It, evil's winning the match. He, he has them in, in the darkness scorpion, which you call his scorpion death lock. Then Dick Togo comes out with a garrote wire. And starts stomping and choking Okada uh, for the DQ. Yeah. Now, that isn't something that's always been part of New Japan. That's just been part of the evil shit. And, you know, evil, this is why this is why I don't like evil. You know? This shit, it sucks. Yeah, this was it bad. It sucks hard. Um, and, bro, all you people that liked evil a year ago, how about it, bro? <laughs> One thing I did notice when you turn on New Japan World, he used to be they they have like a uh, you know their top guys. It or this is on the um, Fire Stick app. When you turn it on, it, it has an image of all the top guys, and Evil was in it, but now he's not. <laughs> I'm serious. They changed it the other day. He's not, and I've tried it multiple times. They took him out of it, so I don't know. I don't know if that's indicative of anything, but uh. Yeah, yeah, bro. And, 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 and you he, know, Okada had evil in the money clip at one point, And why the fuck didn't, uh, you know, Dick Togo use the grot wire then? Right. When, and, when he had him in except trouble. Except when evil's winning. Yeah, that made ma- no sense. It makes no sense. Um, and here's the thing. Like, th- this angle would have been fine on a road to show to build to the eventual <sighs> singles match. I agree. You uh, don't do an angle like this on New Beginning in Hiroshima Night 2 which is supposed to be a big show. I, I don't want to blame the fans because I hate when podcasts and wrestlers and people blame the fans because I think that's generally stupid. <laughs> right. But I do wonder if we have enabled in some way this all to happen by basically being okay with them watering down the big shows into multiple shows. They've done it. Now, I'm okay with it for Wrestle Kingdom for the most part because those cards – Slap, you know, but um, little by little, we've seen these shows become more and more road to influenced and, you know, like just we get less and less of the big matches. And I mean, bro, look at these two nights. I mean, out of like, <laughs> I don't know, eight to seven of the matches are filler matches. It sucks, but um, not a fan, not a fan of this. This does not make me want to see Okada and evil. I take back the things I said about all the goodwill and work that they were doing 
on the road to shows, and uh, that kind of sucks. Yeah. Then and unfortunately, we're going to get it again. Yeah. But we move on to the semi-main event, the never open weight six-man titles, the never trio here to save the day, the chaos team, the champions, Hiroki Goto, Tomohiro Ishii, and Yoshihashi. They defend the titles and defeat the Bullet Club team of Jay White, Tamatonga, and Tangaloa, who were accompanied by Gato and Jado. 27 minutes and one second. This team, uh, this chaos six-man trio goes from 10-0 and 0 in the past year's time to 11-0. That brings them to 22-1 and 1 lifetime record as a tag team. You know, I think maybe I wasn't so off base last year when I was saying that they were strong tag team of the year candidates and everyone wanted dangerous tea. I don't know. <laughs> but um, I thought this match fucking ruled. Yeah. I, I really thought it was awesome. It's like one of the shining lights of, of the tour. The entire uh, story has been awesome and the match was awesome. Yeah, I've been seeing a lot of people that were down this match. I really, really? yeah, I have. Uh, fuck you guys, <laughs> yo! You didn't like this? Get the fuck out. Go watch something else. I don't give a fuck. I, I thought this was really good. I really enjoy this match, dude. The Jay White Ishii stuff has been great. Like these guys, literally just coming for each other's throats. Like Ishii just wants to kill Jay White. Their interactions have been great. Um, Yoshihashi and Goto look great as well, and, and their interactions with uh, God. And we, we got the traditional kind of Goto Ishii Yoshihashi that we, we got last year. Then there were six man matches, and these guys just working so well together as a team. Um, a lot of great heat, a lot of comeback for these teams. And then you know, you know the big upset here of Yoshihashi getting the the pin over uh, Tangaloa. Listen, man, you know everything you said is true. There are elements of those stories that were there, but the big story of this match was Yoshihashi. He was the focal point completely of the match like you know they 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 did some traditional tag team things they did you know the heat the shine the comeback yada yada but that whole heat segment was all on yoshihashi the big comeback at the end was all yoshihashi bro i love that this guy has in 2021 and 2020 decided like you know what these never six-man tag team titles might not mean much to other people but it's the best that I can do. Right. So they mean everything in the world to me. And because of that, I'm going to fight with everything I have to hold on to this gold. Because I don't know if I'm ever going to get <laughs> any more gold in my entire I, career. I ain't going back. I'm not going <laughs> back. <laughs> Bro, they, they beat Jay White, multi-time, you know, top guy champion. He's won all this shit. The greatest, the greatest tag team tag in New <laughs> Japan history, Gorilla Destiny. And Yoshihashi fucking rolled him up, bitch. Yeah. And, and, and Tangaloa, who's the one that usually protecting these tag team matches. You know, yeah. Tangaloa's the one that's usually getting the, the pinfalls here. But yeah, he rolls up uh, Tangaloa here. And Chaos Retains got a big win here. Now, I love that they retained, but at the same time, like... Why did you have Jay White in this match? I get that they are doing the whole Jay White Ishii thing. Well, it's, it honestly, it's it's a it's a it's a preview Pre- match. A preview match, yeah. But I'm okay with this type of preview match because it's a high end match, quality match. You know, it's not a filler match, and that's yeah. why I'm okay with it. Yeah, um, yeah. I, I don't know. I thought it was a little weird. I mean, I, I feel like Jay should have gotten a win, but at the same time, I, no, <laughs> I I disagree. Well, okay, I'm I would have been fine with either team winning. Here's where, where I think I disagree with you. I like 
that Jay White was involved in a never six man tag because the never six man tags mean more because Jay White competed for them right. in a good match. And, yeah. and so did Geo so did GOD. So it raises the prestige of the champions and the titles. It makes them a bigger deal. They they were able to co headline with them. I think that this was excellent. And I, I like I would like for more things like this sort of thing to happen. I wouldn't be I wouldn't be opposed to maybe like say Sonata Naito and Shingo Shingo going for the six mans at some point. That would be cool. Shit yeah. like that's awesome. Yeah, not that I have a problem with JY going for the six man title. It's like you, you came back with this whole angle. Uh, you know, is he coming back to New Japan? Is he going to WWE? Is he going to be the Royal Rumble? Is he going to you know what? Is he going to be a baby face? And he comes back and has a whole angle. Um, this match here, which this match was very good, but and obviously the key here is the singles match at Castle Attack with Jay White and Ishii. That's the the focus there. I'm sure Jay's going to get the big win there and kind of continue whatever is next for him and his storyline. Well, post match they um, had a big uh, title challenge from Yoshihashi and Goto. They said, you know, we defended these belts. Now we want the uh, IWGP Heavyweight Tag Team belts. Mm-hmm. And in the post match interviews. Bullet Club pretty much were like, no, we're not giving you a title shot because people don't get to call us out, you know? Right. Then in the next post-match, Chaos is at the table drinking Zimas. They're, you know, they're, they're celebrating. And then out of nowhere, the fucking Bullet Club jumps their asses, <laughs> beats the shit out of them. I mean, left them laying. And then they were like, we challenge you <laughs> to Castle Attack to fight us. For our for our heavyweight tag team titles, and you will lose. And they're like, we call people out. You don't call us out. And then, um, Jay White, gold. He was just gold. He's like sitting there talking about like, oh, you, you boys happy? You feel like champions? And he's like pouring Zima on all them. <laughs> he's like, you feel like champions right now? This is what it feels like to win. Big winners, yeah. <laughs> he's like Goto, Hashi, Ishi. You guys feel good? He's like, he's like, have at it, boys. Enjoy. And like, he's just like. Pissing on them, it's great. Yeah. So yeah, this, this whole feud has been great between Bullet Club and Chaos, and also we're getting some big matches at Castle Attack, which we'll talk about in a second. But first, we got to talk about this main what, event. What would you go star ratings on that one? I think it was like three point seven five. I'm about three point seven five. I could go four though. I'm yeah. not far off. I thought that match ruled. Yeah, I was a little bit of a coward there, but people sleep on these never matches. Yeah, bro. I mean, fuck them. I've seen people going two point seven five, three stars, very low. On Grapple has a very low average. Uh, Listen, if you don't like the never six mans, I don't know if this show's for you. <laughs> <laughs> like we we appreciate your download, but I just I don't know. This is a smart show. Don't, don't, I, don't I, listen to Josh. <laughs> keep, keep downloading. Keep listening. <laughs> uh, but yeah, New but, Japan might be a, a hobby for you. <laughs> You know, <laughs> as I wrote last year in the Voices of Wrestling ebook, 2020 was a year never, and it's bro, like 2021 is going to be a year never too. With bro, that's because never is better than the IWGP. That's committee. right. The never committee is is booking these fire matches, <laughs> these fire feuds. I, I don't know who's booking that. It's not Gato. I don't know who's booking that never. Division. Bro, the never title is the real world title, right? <laughs> uh, so let's talk about the world title, uh, this main event here for the IWGP heavyweight and well, IWGP. Let's be very clear. The world title and the secondary title. Right, the because, IC title. Because these are two distinct belts, and we're going to get to that at the end of this. Right. <laughs> uh, Kota, Kota Ibushi successfully defends the title against the Cole Skull Sonata, 27 minutes and 51 seconds. Uh, and, you know, these, these were, you know, middle-of-the-week shows, Wednesday, Thursday. So it's a, it's a little oh, bit hard. That's another problem. 
Why the fuck did they do that? Well, I think you know, I think there were some holidays in Japan on those days, and that's why they did them there. Uh, obviously, it's not in line with the, with the Western fans and their schedule. But yeah, it's these were the middle of the week, Wednesday, Thursday. So you know, I'm sorry, guys. I I don't get up early to to watch New Japan shows in the middle of the week. I usually watch them after work. And so it's hard to get these shows, you know, in a reasonable time and not get spoilers. And, you know, especially in the, you know, in the media circle that we're in, we're seeing a lot of people there. We're hearing podcasts and reviews. And so at this time, by the time I got to watch this match, I, I was already spoiled and I had heard a lot of reviews about the match and I heard a lot of negative reviews about this match, and then, so I went to, when I was watching this show. I'm like, "All right, here we go. Let, let's see, you know, this this bad IWGP title match that everybody's been talking about." Then I watched the match, and I was like, "This was this was a great little main event here. Like, I, I really enjoyed this match. I I didn't see anything wrong with it. Was it a four point seven five five star break the scale mind melting IWGP title match? No, but you know, I went four and a quarter on it." It was a great IWGP title match for for this you know new beginning tour, um, you know, it, I mean they didn't like blow the roof off the place, but I thought it was a great match. It was a lot of great spots, a lot of great back and forth. Uh, this definitely was the best match to me on the show. Yes, um, I agree. In fact, I'll take it a step further uh, because I don't think we're getting another big show in February. Well, we're getting two castle attacks. Is that going to be in February? Yeah, 27th, 28th. Oh, <laughs> at the end of the month. Yeah. Like, to me, I'm like, oh, February's over. Never mind. I, I, right now, as it stands, this is my match of the month. And I, I, I think you'd be hard-pressed to yeah. tell me anything else was uh, better. Wait, what? Oh, Shingo Tanahashi was in Dallas. That was January. January. Yeah. That was January, man. Yeah, so yeah. So, I mean, okay, let me just break it down for you this way. If you're complaining about the quality of Ibushi and Sonata at the new beginning in 2021, but you weren't fucking complaining about Naito and Evil four times last year, then I don't know if this is for you. Yeah. (laughs) I don't know what to tell you. Because, bro, like, I will take this any day, all day, Over the Garot, Dick Togo, Ref Bumps, Bull Club, Run-In, Shenanigans. Bro. Already, right now, Kota Ibushi, two months in the year, has had a better IWGP double title reign than Tetsuya Naito or Evil ever had. Yes. Period. Period. And uh, you you cannot point to the great matches that those guys had that were better than what he's done. Yeah. You know? I mean, uh, would I have love for this match to be four and a half, four, four point seven five, five stars? Yeah, I would. But you don't get that all the time. And I still thought it was a great main event. And Josh, you and I were talking about this earlier today. And you made the great point of like, you know, people weren't complaining about Okada defenses against guys like Bad Luck Fale or some of his four-star defenses. Yeah. And it's like, you don't get, not every defense is going to be out of this world banger. Yeah, and that's the thing is like, um, now granted, I think part of the reason why was because it's like, Okada had goodwill because he was putting on so many high-end bangers every now and again. They'd allow him, you know, within reason, you know, here's a little Fale four-star match, you know. Here's a here's a little Sonata four-star new beginning match, and it's okay because it's Okada. But, um, you know, I mean, they didn't complain. when the, You know, they didn't talk about how that was the drop-off, that there's this mythical quality level of 
IWGP heavyweight titles, and this just didn't meet the the meter. Now, I will tell you this. I get some of the criticism. Did I think this match had a good build? No. no. Did I think that Sonata was a realistic challenger in the sense that he was going to win? No. Did I think that he even deserved to be getting the title shot just off of beating Evil after after a lackluster year, including having, you know, what many people consider down um, G1 final? No, I didn't think he should even been the guy in the spot to begin with. And then the whole story was a story built on, you know, two guys that like respect each other and they're trying to outdo one another and and all that. There just wasn't anything to sink your teeth into. So from a sense that you could call the ending way ahead of time from the sense that there wasn't a lot of heat, there wasn't a strong backstory. I get that. That part might be disappointing. The in-ring work was fantastic. This was a really good match. Last time I checked, four stars means a great match. Yeah. And this was, by definition, a clear-cut, in my opinion, four-star match. And at 27 minutes and 51 seconds, it wasn't overly long either. Uh, we've, Bro, I've had to dredge through so many over 30, over 40 IWGP title matches for the past year or two that this felt like a breath of fresh air for me. I was completely fine with it. Plus, Sonata was protected and made to look good. Abushi hit him with the backwards knee and then the frontwards uh, Kamagoye, and this this dude kicked out. That's the same shit that put uh, Jay White down at the dome. So yeah, so like, yeah. There's a lot of big moments like that. There's a lot of big moves, um, a lot of great suplexes between both guys. The match uh, was awesome. A lot of great counters. Yeah. Hard-hitting, great moves, great counters. I thought it was great pacing um, for, for the, the, the time they had. Uh, then yeah, like, people people acting like this sucked. Like, hey, I get it. If the, I think that their criticisms, honestly, are more with the direction of the company, some of the booking directions, and then the overall perception of the card, which was, not, which was very negative. But this... Now, did, did I think that this match swooped in and saved the card like some other top main events have in the past? No, I don't. I don't think it did. This was a situation where I think you should parachute in and watch maybe the, the last two matches and you can literally skip the rest. And right. I, how often do I say that? I never say that. But at the same time, to act as though this match in a bubble was not good is cap. You're fucking capping. Shut the fuck up. I, I think <laughs> part of the issue what you brought up there is, yeah, I think with, with a, kind of a you know underwhelming card with a lot of filler, I think people were really looking forward to this main event to kind of, you know, quote unquote, save the show and kind of be, you know, the, the, the talking point of the weekend, which between both nights, this was the best match. I, I think it was. I, I thought this match was better than Hiromu's show. People are acting like it's not, but it was it was the best match. Yeah, this was the best match of the whole of the two nights. And so to me, this was the highlight of Hiroshima and, and was the, you know, the match that people should be talking about. And I don't, I don't get quite why the, I mean, listen, I get it. There wasn't, there's not a lot of buzz coming out of it, but that's because it was a poor program. Yeah. The, and, 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 and with a challenge that nobody believed that was going to win. That's why I read the spoilers. I was not expecting to see, you know, new IWGP, you know, double right. champion. Like I knew Sonata, there was no way that Sonata was beating Ibushi. Listen, I'm, I'm fine with people being down on the program and I'm down with people being down on the creative and I'm fine with people being down on, you know, the, the lack of buzz that all is true. I'm fine with that. That's all accurate. 
But to sit here and act like the match itself, the work, the story wasn't great, and that's bullshit. And the Hiroshima crowd was into that yeah, match. They, they were really into it. They were clapping really loud. The thunder sticks were, were you know, clapping really loud. They, they were really into this matchup. And I think that's what we saw in this build. Like, we weren't down with the build, but throughout the Road 2 shows, the crowds were really into the, this Sonata-Ibushi interactions. And I thought this crowd was, that's really, true. was really into this main event, which helped it a lot. Well... That's that, and that's it. Like I think we've I think we spent a good time on it. Um, you know, Sonata loses, he moves on, and Kota Ibushi retains in what was a very very good main event. And you know, it's funny. I, I'll say this before we go to the post match. I've heard many times in the past where people have said that not every single title defense needs to be a five star classic. It's okay to go out there and have a very good four star main event. And I've heard a lot of those same people turn around this week and say that this was a disappointment and that this wasn't at the level. Make up your fucking mind. <laughs> you can't have it both ways. Stop talking out of both sides of your mouth. E- you know, either it's okay to have great matches for the best title in wrestling or it's not. And it needs to be this other higher level that you have deemed appropriate that is unrealistic and probably never going to happen, you know? Right. So, I mean, I don't know. Fuck. <laughs> but so, uh, yeah, so let's talk about the post-match because this is where we're. I'm probably going to fucking go off. <laughs> like, I don't fucking get it at all. It's bullshit. So. This uh, is this is the Western <laughs> shit. This is the shit that this. If, if you want to talk about Westernization, this is the Western shit. This does not make sense. <laughs> so, post-match, you know, Abushi shakes hands with uh, Sonata and then here comes the former double champion Tetsuya Naito, Mr. Tranquilo, strolling down to the ring. Tranquilo is a work, bro. <laughs> he he issues a challenge, Josh. Does he issue a challenge for both titles? No. He issues a title for 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 one title. Does he issue a title for the IWGP Heavyweight Title? No. He issues a ti- a challenge. For the secondary IWGP Intercontinental title. How, how, young boy, how, how does this make, does this not make Naito look like the biggest idiot in the world? So here's what Naito said. Now, okay, I'm going to let you know, I'm going to tell you right now. I don't know what Naito is saying in the post matches after this night because guess what? I haven't watched. The road two shows, because this this show happened on a Wednesday, Thursday, and then and then we've had three road twos Sunday, Monday, and Tuesday. Yeah, in the middle of Valentine's weekend, one of the like this has been a busy busy fucking week for me. Like, there's no, I haven't watched that shit, so I don't know what he's saying. Um, so I don't know if he's added other good reasoning since then. Maybe you know, I don't know. So I, I've watched Roti shows. I haven't caught in the post-match uh, translations of the promos yet. Okay, I'll have to catch up on that. But, uh, you know, here was his reasoning. He said, you want to take the double gold and turn it into one unified title. And here's the thing. At this point, if he did do that, it would probably no longer be an IC and IWGB title. It would either be some sort of new amalgamated title or... It would be the IC title just being absorbed into right. the and, IWGB. And the lineage of the heavyweight title would continue. Right. So it would be one of the, or it would be like the Triple Crown, where it's an entirely new constructed belt. And new lineage. Yeah. yeah. 
And he pretty much was like, I'm a, I don't want to get rid of the icy belt. You want to get rid of it. But the problem is you beat me in the Tokyo Dome, fair and square. So because you beat me, I don't have the right to challenge for both those belts. And I don't have the, the right to challenge for the IWGP title. But because I am against what you're trying to do, I have to challenge you for the IC belt. If I was like a New Japan fanboy, which I guess I am, but if I was like one of those like fake one, like one of those like, you know, if I was like a Inoki defense squatter, or I don't know what you want to call it. <laughs> Shindy Hun defense squad. <laughs> um, I'd be capping for this and I'd be talking about how that logic makes sense and this is such good lore and such good storytelling. <laughs> Bro, how many times in the history of wrestling have we seen guys that were the champion get a rematch clause for their title. If he was the champion, the long reigning champion, I might add, he held the title for the majority of last year, and then he gifted Kota Ibushi. He, he made, it was a make-a-wish title it was a match. a make-a-wish title match. Kota Ibushi lost his title shot. He, gave, he gifted it to him. He didn't even earn it. And he said, you know what? I'm like... I got you, kid. I'm gonna give you a shot, anyways. Even though you, even though you're not supposed to be there, you're getting one. Doesn't Kota Bushi owe him? Like, a doesn't he owe him for the favor that he did him, anyways, by even giving him the opportunity? Yeah. Number two, it like okay in fighting. If if you were like the guy who just won the title, right, and then you lose it on your first title defense, you're probably not getting a, a, an immediate rematch. But if you are the top star of the company and you held the title and defended it multiple times, and you're a top draw, and you're the A-side, more often than not, you get either an immediate rematch or, like, the guy gets a title shot, and then you get, you know, or he gets a defense, and then you get the next shot back at him. So why the fuck wouldn't he get an IWGP title shot, you know? Why would he... Because here's the thing. If he was the one to win the double gold, couldn't he just split the titles up himself like he's claiming he, he wants them to be split? Or couldn't he just, you know, drop the icy title? Or, or, or at least if he was carrying them together, he's avoiding someone else merging them into one thing and taking the decision out of his hands. Instead, he's like, nah, I want the white belt. And like Abushi's like, you can have the black belt. Like, no, I'll take the white belt, please. <laughs> what the fuck? This makes no logical, especially, especially, here's the real kicker, given his history with the white belt, given the fact that he wanted to get away from this belt, the fact that he, he was... He threw it, mis he mistreated it. And in his history, he's said many, many times that they don't need a white belt, that the white belt makes no sense at all because you're either the top guy or you're nothing. There's he, he was like on that Ricky Bobby shit. You're the first <laughs> or your last. Your first or your last. <laughs> you know, how I've heard Naito in so many interviews talk about why the fuck do we have a white belt? It's just a belt for guys who can't be the champion to hold. Why the fuck do we have it? Then he's like, nah, play, I wanna I wanna hold on to that white belt. That that white belt needs to stick around. Like it makes no fucking sense. And it also like it it sucks so fucking hard. Because bro. Oh, you 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 can take. It. I got more to say. <laughs> I'm so pissed. Yeah, it, you know, people have been asking us forever now. Some say you can find the title or put the titles together, whatever. That's where I want to go, but I want to let you have at yeah, it. Yeah, people have been asking, how are they going to split the titles up? You know, what can they do to you know get the IC title? Should they put them together? And this 
well, you know, we've had a lot of people give ideas of what they should do and what should happen. Almost all of it was better than this. Yes. Almost all of it. Like, it just doesn't make sense. Like, it makes no sense. We've seen, we talk about guys failing up in New Japan all the <laughs> time. We've seen guys literally lose one night, come out the next night and challenge for a title and get the title match. And so you're trying to tell me that the, the former double champion <laughs> who has been winning every, every match's tour, he's been mopping the floor with Hanma this whole freaking tour, and he does not deserve a, a title rematch? Yeah. Uh, I, yeah, and I remember like when um, the same shit happened with Kojima, and he was beating everybody on the uh, best or the world, yeah, best Super Juniors uh, World Tag League tour, and then suddenly he he's deserving of a shot at the U.S. title. Everyone's, like, down with that, right? And I was like, but he hasn't beat anybody in singles in, like, three years. <laughs> but uh, it was cool then. But now you turn around, and Naito's been mopping the floor with Hama this whole entire tour. Plus, like, he's, like, one of the most decorated guys. This man can't get an IWGP title shot? Like, he, okay, here's some other things. They're, they're going, what, to uh, Budokan Hall? Uh, Osaka Joe Hall. Okay, they're going to Osaka Joe Hall, right? And so I think they're thinking like, okay, well, we're going to do Naito and Ibushi because that's a big money match, right? Mm -hmm. Wouldn't they draw more if the IWGP double title was on the line? Isn't that the draw? Nope. Like, I guess the draw now is that Naito's trying to win the white belt and it's pretty much assured he's going to get his win back. So if you're a big Naito fan, yeah, you're probably going to come out because you're pretty much guaranteed that Naito's going to win. But, like, if you're someone who's, like, watching wrestling for the intrigue of it and, like, you know, that big that big fight feel where you just don't know who's going to win, that's gone. That's yeah. gone out the window. And we've talked about this before with, you know, people saying, you know, should, when Naito was double champion, should Naito lose an IC title no. match? It's like, it it makes, hurts him. It makes a champion look a geek. So now Ibushi's going to go in there. He's going to lose the, the white strap to Naito. He's going to look like a geek. So if Naito beats Ibushi, doesn't that mean he should get a heavyweight title match? Bro. So, so you're going to run back Ibushi and Naito again for both titles on the line? Also, that's 100% true. There's also the fact that he was teasing Shingo uh, over the two titles. So they really made us feel like Shingo was going to get some sort of title shot. Maybe he will down the line. But, you know, why would you give us that tease and then not pay it off here at this big show? Um, another thing, too, is, I, okay, so one part of it was I was thinking what you could do. You could do the, the story where it's like, I want to be the defending champion who defends both titles. So on one night of the show, of, of the tour, I'll defend the IWGP title against Shingo. Then the next night, I'm going to give the white belt as a title defense to Naito. And then you have the out for why he couldn't successfully defend against Naito because even as great as Ibushi is, even he can't, you know, handle going back to back nights defending. Both right, of these he, he could have a he could have a war with Shingo on night one, like thirty minute, just hard hitting back and forth. He's, he comes in damaged to the Naito match. Naito picks up the scraps and gets the win, or whoever. But yes. But they didn't do that. Instead, they're they're just going to be headlining the second night. So that's the deal. So. A, you're not getting an IWGP title defense at Castle Attack. Okay, so that's out the window. B, you're getting pretty much a guaranteed title switch. So your IWGP title is going to champion is going to lose to the former champion and drop the white belt. So now you've got a white belt champion who should be the IWGP champion, but he's not because 
He wants the white belt. He wants the white belt. I remember Brock Lesnar talking about how in his uh, biography, he talked about how he went to Miami and he was working at a big, it was a house show, but it was a big house show with The Rock. This was their rematch after SummerSlam. And he goes to The Rock's house and they're talking and they're laying out the match. And this is when Rock was doing Hollywood Rock. And Brock Lesnar was still the WWE champion. It was a non-title. Well, they didn't tell him. Well, was he he Hollywood Rock? Or he was getting ready to go to Hollywood, wasn't he? This was 2003. So he's already Hollywood Rock. I thought their match was... It doesn't matter. (laughs) Bro, this was a house show. Okay. It's 2003. It's it's after SummerSlam. SummerSlam was in August 2002. Right. Okay. Okay, so a whole year, pretty much a year later. It's next year, yeah. It's the rematch. It was never televised. So he goes to Hollywood, or he goes to Miami, and he's going to be working big show in, in Miami with The Rock. And then he's talking to The Rock, and then, like, they're talking about the finish. And then, like, he said Rock gets real nervous and, like, looks at him. He's like, they didn't tell you? He's like, I'm, I'm going over. You're giving me my win back. And, like, Brock was like, what the fuck? <laughs> and, like, Brock was like, that makes no sense. I'm the WWE champion. And then he's like, if you beat me, you should be the champion. He's like, but it's non-title. <laughs> and that was, like, he said that was one of the moments where he decided that he realized he didn't want to be doing this because, A, every nobody told him he was losing until The Rock had to break it him because everyone was scared to tell him. Yeah. And he was like, but what sense would that make? If you're the world champion, let's say in MMA, right, and you take a non-title fight against somebody and they beat you, shouldn't they just be the champion? Yeah. What difference does that fucking make? You know, if you're the double gold champion, what difference does it make whether you're electing to just defend the white? Bro, if you lose the white belt to Tetsuya Naito, you need to vacate the IWGP (laughs) title the next day because you don't deserve to hold on to it because you just lost to your challenger. Put that shit up. Yeah, put it up in the uh, New Japan Cup. Winner becomes the IWGP champion. This shit doesn't make sense. And you know who this buries? It buries Shingo, who's not getting the title shot. It buries Naito for looking like an idiot for only uh, challenging for the lesser belt. It buries... Kota Ibushi for being an idiot for losing the the white belt but holding on to the world title so it devalues his title reign. It makes Gato look like an idiot for not finding a, a, a more creative or even just more logical and protecting finish for all this shit. It makes you and me look like idiots for covering this shit because bro like this sucks. Like as a fan it makes you suck because now you have to defend your fandom to the other fans and be like, and they're like, that shit looks like shit. And you're like, yeah, kind of. <laughs> bro, every, this hurts everybody. This is not good business. This is bad. This is booking. Uh, I've heard Dave Meltzer say this recently a lot and I don't like the term, but it is, this is booking malpractice. This fucking sucks. This is one of the shittiest things that they've done since evil won the IWGP double gold title. This sucks. It yeah. sucks. So, yeah, I have some questions here. Uh, first, from our user, why do you do that? Bro, what are your guys' thoughts on the IWGP tag and junior tag and junior title matches both going longer than the IWGP double title match? Very much in favor of it. I, I thought that the match was fantastic. I thought those matches were overly long. They they could have been cut down. There's no reason. I mean, definitely, they, with all the filler on these shows, there's no reason they should have been three-hour shows. Yeah, dude, the tag match should have been a 10-minute match with the angle they were doing. A junior title match with the, the the style they wrestled, they probably should have cut the time. Um, I would be fine with them going long. We mentioned if it was a killer matchup, uh, and I was fine with the length of the double title match. Yeah, totally. Um, next question from Viking Pain. He asked us, 
With Naito going after the IC title and hopefully succeeding in taking it back from Bushi, what do you think the end game would be for him with this new reign? The only thing I can think of is the long-awaited dream match between him and Hiromu. If Wrestle Kingdom 16 is two nights again, main eventing one big night with Naito Hiromu for the IC title would be a big money match. So I, I don't I don't think it's gonna happen at Wrestle Kingdom. I think it's gonna happen at the anniversary show. And I, I think it's gonna be Naito versus Hiromu for the IC title. Naito yeah. did say in the post match, he said that the the reason he wants the white belt to stick around is because he has he has other plans for it. And he's like, I can't reveal what those are just yet. Who knows? This could just be more cryptic New Japan bullshit. Uh, from you know from the promos that they just do, but uh, he was like, I've got other plans for it, you know. So maybe maybe you guys are on to something. Yeah. So yeah. Spoiler alert: I think Hiromu's losing the junior title to ELP, a castle attack, and then that's going to free him up to face Naito for the IC title in the main event of the anniversary show. That can run back the match that we're going to do last year. It's an IC title match. It's a big deal. Naito versus Hiromu. Here's the thing: this this is really bad for Naito if he's just re-relegated to the white belt guy because that's who he already was he couldn't even hold on to the IWGB titles without having the IC white belt tag along you know that's like I don't know if you ever like have you ever like been on a date with someone whose like family was like really like either protective or conservative or religious and you had to have like a chaperone you ever have that sort of shit not not really chaperone but I had had the situations where like they were like, so close with their family it's like all right, let's go on a date. Oh, can my mom come? Oh, shit. <laughs> it's like... I, I When I was young, I had a girlfriend, and, like, um, her sisters would, like, tag along as, like, little chaperones, you know? And, like, that's what it was like. Like, the white belt's, like, you know... Him, him, and the him and the IWGB title trying to fuck, <laughs> and the white belt. The white like, belt's like no, no, no. <laughs> yeah, the white belt's the chaperone. Like, yeah, I know you want to go to this level, but you got to take me with you. And then once you're done, you got to come back to me. You don't get to leave. You're stuck at icy level. That sucks. If you're a Naito fan, you should think this sucks. I'm sorry, that sucks. Uh, here's another thing too. Um, before we move on. I've never been against them splitting these belts. But this is the worst way that they could, out of all the ways they could have done it, this is the worst way. So I don't know, man. I don't know what the fuck to tell you. Yeah. Uh, so essentially, you know, we, we've talked about them, you know, the, with the white belt main eventing shows. And so I'll see. There's a, there's a lot of people making a lot of excuses for this online and like acting like this is a really good thing and they're really happy about it. Because they want those belts split up, but I don't want them split up so badly that I want to make the champion look dumb, make the promotion look dumb, make the booking look dumb. Yeah, I don't want to damage every single aspect of New Japan that I like just because I I want to keep the belts separate. That's fucking stupid. Yeah. Uh, next question here from BJ Baker: Which option is more appealing to you, the double gold unified or Naito winning the IC title? <laughs> At this point, the double gold unified. Mm. I, I don't think. Either I mean I don't live in a dualistic world like that where I think those are the only two options. There, there were better ways to do this, but if I had to choose, I would not want Naito winning the IC title back from uh, from Abushi and making him look like a geek. Yeah, this fucks Abushi, bro. Oh, another thing. Going back to Viking Pain's question, he was talking about Hiromu. One thing I would like to say is like Hiromu keeps talking about wanting to potentially headline the Dome. At, on one of the nights with the junior title. With the way that that match went, 
you can't do that shit. You know what I mean? At this point right now, the only way he could hope to have a big main event in the dome or something like that is with someone like Naito, some other heavyweight that has to pull him up. He doesn't have a dance partner at, at junior that is capable of standing on top and drawing with him in a, yeah, in a big match like yeah, that. Him, he's the biggest junior star. There's nobody in that division that comes close to him right now that's worth. I don't even know if there's anyone outside that you could bring in. Right. Like, I can't even think. I mean, other than, like, Rey Mysterio. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? Yeah. In, in that, and he's in WWE. Like, I can't think of anybody else. Yeah. I mean, maybe, maybe Riuli. Nope. Um, but I yeah. don't think so. Yeah, it, it, it'd be tough. Tough call there. Especially since they've done it so many times on the other shows. I don't think so. Yeah. I mean, maybe. Yeah, you're right. Maybe. May, yeah, I'm not saying, yeah, I'm just saying maybe. Uh, question from our friend Rich Ladder from One Nation Radio. So Tetsuya Naito is watching Kota Bushi have sex with the IWGB title. Is he a cuck? <laughs> uh, no. <laughs> and here's why. Because the IC belt is his actual partner. The the IWGB title never belonged to Naito. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> it, 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 it was a it was a bad one night stand. IWGB titles, like, I, I made a mistake. It was just a rebound, bro. Yeah. It was a rebound relationship. That's all it was. Oh, God. <laughs> Rambo and Slam Pig asked us, is that mad bastard Gato going to swerve us and not split the IWGB heavyweight and intercontinental titles? Please, God. On the one hand, it seems heavily telegraphed. It makes a lot of sense to pull the trigger on the split. On the other hand, Gato does hate Naito. <laughs> you know what? That I That's the, the only other thing. But... But, but why then, would but, you do that match again for the white title with Naito if Naito's not winning? Yeah, it, the, I'm not opposed to them facing each other once again, but this story sucks. Even if even if Naito wins or loses, it still sucks. He still looks like a geek. <laughs> he still looks like a fucking idiot. And now he's worse of an idiot because at least he could have Ch- challenged both. challenged and risked it all but now he he's gotta you know take the fall i actually was fine with it before because i thought that's what would happen i was like maybe he'll be the guy and he'll get the rematch and then he'll lose and then that's that and i would have been fine with it but instead it's like oh you you lost but you only were gonna get the white belt anyways that juice don't seem worth the squeeze bro like fuck yeah uh question here from em data's pr doesn't Osprey Naito IC title match do big money. Maybe. I don't know. Probably they could probably do something big with those two guys, but at the same time, given this story, I mean, this story seems really fucking bad. I don't know what kind of damage. I don't want to uh, be over dramatic and say it's going to greatly alter everything forever because that might not be the case. You know, it might just be one of those things where it happens and moves on, but you know, Bro, with, like, wrestling companies like this, this is how it starts. You start seeing little cracks around the edges, and, like, you make, you know, it's fine, but then, you know. Yeah, it's not fine. <laughs> it's, it's like a bad relationship. It's red flags, you know. You, you start making excuses for your partner. Oh, they're having a bad day. Oh, they're hungry. Oh, you know, blah, blah. And then, it, and then it becomes a habit, and then it becomes a lifestyle, and then, you know, you look down the years, and you're like, oh, fuck. <laughs> <laughs> Bro, like, I... I've been very happy with New Japan for many years now, and I'm not trying to get into a toxic relationship where they start doing these bad booking decisions. This sucks. Yeah. 
I mean, as far as I know, this is the kind of thing where like you sit down with your with Gato and you're like, Gato, I love you. Been very happy with you, but this I cannot abide. <laughs> <laughs> Something has to change. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think uh, uh, we talked about this before. Osprey Naito is a big match. Um, you know, doing it for the IC title, I think it would be it would still be a big matchup, and it could probably fill up you know capacity building for every show they want to do it on. So. It's a it's a very protected match. So. Yeah, Dominion. I think why not go ahead and get it on the books? They've held off on it for two years. That uh, Osprey's been competing with the heavyweights. Yeah, and so we got the cards here for both nights of Castle Attack. So we got Saturday, February twenty seventh. We have Great Ocon, Will Osprey, and Jeff Cobb taking on Tanahashi, Tenzan Kojima. Yoshihashi taking on Tangaloa in a singles match, and then Goto taking on Tamatonga in a singles match. Then we'll have the KOPW 2021 Provisional title on the line as the champion Toriyama defends against Chase Owens. The voting is live right now on the NJPW Global Twitter. You can either vote for a YTR strap match where both opponents will be strapped to each other, but they have to remove the four uh, turnbuckle pads, or you could vote for for a traditional strap match where you just have to touch all four corners. That's Chase Owens. I, I've, I, I put in my vote for Chase, but he's uh, like got 30% of the vote. Yeah, so. the, the fans are uh, heavily voting for Yano and for the, the YTR strap match. So that's probably what's going to be the stipulation there. Part of me like kind of like hates KOPW, but it could have been so much worse. Like this is kind of one of the better situations so yeah i'm, I'm kind of like I, i'm fine i'm like all right you can just exist in your own little world little yano <laughs> shit like whatever uh so i'm in event tomohiro ishii versus switchblade jay white and then the main event finally kazuchika okada versus evil yep uh, sunday february 28th we start off with will osprey and jeff cobb taking on tenkoji fifth match of the night okada ishii yano versus evil jay white and chase owens Fourth match of the night, the IWGP Heavyweight Tag Team titles are on the line as G.O.D. defend against Goto and Yoshihashi. Third match of the night, the Never Openweight title is on the line as Tanahashi defends against the Great Okan. Second match of the night, semi-main event, the Junior Heavyweight title is on the line as Hiromu Takahashi defends against El Phantasmo. And then the main event is the IWGP Intercontinental title as Kota Ibushi defends against Tetsuya Naito. And we had a question here from PCN91. What are your thoughts on the Castle Attack cards? I've seen a lot of people online hating on the 27th February, the 27th, February 27th show, but I think it's interesting that the whole card is basically a faction versus faction card with all five single matches being Chaos versus Bullet Club. I think if the 27th February card was a G1 or New Japan Cup show, people would say it's a pretty good lineup. In terms of the February 28th show, that obviously has the big title matches, but what do you think about having so many repeat matches after, right after Wrestle Kingdom? Um, you know, the 27th, in, in one aspect, when I first look at it, I think I'm fine with it because I we just came off of these Hiroshima shows that I was not a fan of, and I'm like, oh, well, they're giving us singles matches, feuds, and stories, which that I'm cool with. But then when you look at it, I could see why people don't like it. Okada evil at the top. Yikes. <laughs> Yano Chase Owens in a strap match. Yikes. Goto and Tamatanga, which has every <laughs> capability to under deliver. And then Yoshihashi and Tangaloa. Yo, I think that match is going to be raw. I do too. And I'm a big fan of both guys. 
But at the same time, they, I, they, it's not like a lot of star power, and I see why people wouldn't necessarily like it. Uh, the only the only big money like marketable match is like Evil, at, or I'm sorry, Jay White and Yoshi or and uh, Tomohiro Ishii, and I can also see why people might not even really be that jazzed about that match. Also, so um, I think the the 27th show. Here's my thing. I would rather have the first night be like preview, like pre, not preview matches, but like the singles matches that don't matter as much. <laughs> right. And then the 28th night is stacked with all the title matches. So as opposed to getting like two of these title matches on the 27th and, and just splitting it across the board, I think I'd rather have a really heavy title title night on the 28th and then have the lesser night on the 27th. I'm fine with that. Yeah, absolutely agree with you. Uh, I'll see... Yeah, the, the 27th show is there's there's some setup there for the 28th, and I prefer this, you know, some single matches over a bunch of multi-mans that we see all tour long for weeks and weeks. Um, I like, the, you know, there's a breakup here. We're getting, what, one, two, three, four, five single matches here on, on the 27th, and we, we always talk about how rare single matches are in New Japan. So the fact that we're getting five here, uh, and one night on this, you know, night one show, uh, I'm totally down with. And yeah, night two looks really, really good with those four tag title matches, or excuse me, four title matches there. Um, I think the tag title match, there's no iron fingers involved. I think that could end up being um, a low key banger. I think Tanahashi and Okan are going to have um, another very good match. Hiromu and ELP, I think they're going to have another good match. And then Abushi. Save, save it for the preview, bro. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Dom Homie 101 asked us, with ELP take, talking about leaving Japan with the IWGP Junior Heavyweight title, how likely will that situation um, be to occur? In my opinion, I think the possibility is high since it seems like Hiromu is running out of opponents in Japan. And plus, I could see New Japan using ELP and the IWGP Junior Heavyweight title as a way to help give New Japan stronger rub. So, I mean, clearly they've been pushing, um, you know, the, the super kick, the, the sudden death, uh, super kick, and that seems like that's going to be kind of an all-year storyline. So like I said earlier, I, I do think that ELP is going to get the win here. I think he's going to go into Best of Super Juniors uh, as a champion, and then that kind of frees Hiromu up to either, you know, like we talked about, challenging Naito or do some, again, some, some other kind of feuds um, and, and have some fresh matchups with ELP as a champion. Uh, as far as what, whether he's not he's going to take it, too strong or take it to America. I mean, that, that is a possibility. We've seen these guys kind of come back and forth between strong um, now, but I wouldn't expect that to be like a main feature on strong. I, I mean, I guess you could. There are a lot of juniors there. I mean, I guess you could do some title matches on strong. And that, that that would be cool. But I mean, I think the junior title is a big focus of the main you know, show. I mean, I, I I couldn't imagine it necessarily becoming like a uh, like a showcase sort of thing for the for strong you know like I don't see it becoming part of the like weekly you know all year sort of like like a showcase title or anything like that. Uh, could I see him coming over for the tapings while he's champion and having? them build to an IWGP junior title defense against like Rocky Romero or PJ Black or, or TJ Leo Pierre, Rush, Leo Rush, something like that. Yeah. 
that would make sense to me, and I could see that happening. But I, I don't see it as being like this week in, week out, like high, you know, thing that they really focus on. I, I think it would be sort of like a one and done sort of thing. Um, I don't know what's going to happen with that title match. I haven't really decided. Uh, I There is some truth to that. Hermu is kind of running out of opponents. But then again, kind of has a lot of opponents too. And I mean, I could name you quite a few guys that are sort of on the docket that are there and available that he hasn't like defended against. I think the perception is that because he faced everybody as super juniors that he's kind of cleared everybody out. But I mean, he's not that deep into this title reign to be honest. Right. Uh, the other thing too is like, what, what does Hiromu do once he drops the belt? That's the big question. And it's like, is he going to go on another redemption arc to come back for this belt again? I, I kind of question that. Um, I do see LP winning the belt at some point, and I wouldn't be too surprised if it's now, but uh, I don't. I, I wouldn't count on this. And there's also the, the junior tag title challenge that's coming up on the 25th Road to Castle Attack show. So I think the, you could have them swap belts. You have LIJ get the tag titles, ELP get the, the singles title. So you could have Bushi and Hiromu mess around in the tag division for a little bit. Yeah, that's definitely a plausible thing. Uh, so let's see here. So moving on, uh, Road to Castle Attack, like we mentioned, there were three shows. Uh, just going to run through these results real quick. Run through them and then talk about anything that's like, you know, I know there's been a lot of stuff with like Naito happening. I don't know if there's any, anything big happening on these shows, to be honest. I, I got to catch up. I know, you know, Jeff Cobb's back. Yeah. And so the biggest thing we got to talk about from the show that happened on Valentine's Day was the dark match, which was... Uh, the debut of the new young lion, Yutu Nakashima. He was taking on Yu Yamura in the opening dark matchup here. And the match ends in 52 seconds by referee's decision. Um, and it came out that Nakashima will miss the rest of the castle attack tour after suffering an elbow injury in this match. He suffered the injury roughly 20 seconds into uh, his main roster debut against Yamura on the castle attack show in Cork and Hall. They were grappling. Nakashima planted his left arm on the mat to brace himself. Arm gave way, and the elbow appeared to dislocate. The match was stopped, and uh, Keto Sato uh, awarded the match to Yomura. Very scary kind of freak incident that happened. Um, you know, he was able to leave the ring in his own power. He did push Yomura uh, when he was kind of leaving the ring there, so they could be setting some stuff up there. I mean, we had a lot of questions uh, about this emj does pr asking can we get a breakdown of what happened to poor yuto nakashima's elbow um so i haven't seen the shows but i did see this portion of the match and um it, it you know it's funny people talk about safe wrestling and you know dangerous wrestling the reality is it's all dangerous i mean they were just chain grappling which is generally perceived as being a pretty safe thing but i mean jeremy you've done amateur wrestling and you kind of know the dangers and hazards of that. I mean, you got elbows flying around, forearms, headbutts, cross arms, you know. Yeah. I mean, knees, everything's right there. I mean, it's not that far off. What what they're doing when they're doing chain wrestling isn't that far off from, you know, traditional grappling. Right, it's a lot. Of, a lot of the grappling to do is stuff you would see in, like, amateur wrestling, yeah. Yeah. So, to me, and it's, it happened so fast, but it looked like Yuto Nakashima was on all fours. And was posting. Yeah, he he planted he planted that that, that left arm. It looked it was like it was like he was like 
kind of very stiff and planted it out. He plan- I don't think anybody made a mistake. I just think it was a freak accident. Yeah, it was a total freak, yeah. And Yuya Amora looked like he was doing some sort of maybe sit out or like roll through to like switch positions. And he landed on the arm. Yeah, that's he, what he came down right he on. He came it, down yeah. right on it. It was in the wrong position. Uh, it was just bad timing. It's just one of those things. It you know shit happens. That's what it is. And his elbow came out. Uh, I, unfortunately, I've grappled with guys not in pro wrestling, but in uh, like BJJ, and I've dislocated people's shoulders and elbows and had things happen to myself. So I get that. Yeah, it's very easy. I mean, I've dislocated somebody's collarbone by throwing them amateur wrestling. I've broken nose. Like it, it's it's a tough thing when you're grappling. Like. Like you're saying, like, stuff is being thrown around all the time, and so. Viking Pain asked us, do you guys know what happened to the new young lion, Nakashima? They said he got a dislocated elbow after rolling around with you more, but how exactly did that happen? Perhaps Young Boy's training knowledge can break it down for us. So uh, we kind of went through that. Uh, yeah. Pretty much, I mean, exactly what we just said. Um, Dundee's, we got to get better at asking these questions in, in conjointly. Yeah. <laughs> Dun Diesel asked, while I feel terrible about Yoto, Yuto Nakashima's unfortunate injury, I may I must say the dude looked like a bad motherfucker. Uh, his physique and natural charisma were obvious to me in the brief time we saw him. Do you think he comes back uh, with the same fire? Uh, or will this affect his mental game? Also, do you think something like this leads to a lifelong rivalry between him and Yumura, or at least something that they can call back to from time to time? Hope for a speedy recovery for the young lion. Yeah, and kind of similar question from Muzzle there, too, saying poor Yuta injury has put him on the shelf, but could this lead to a rivalry between you two and Yumura over the injury? Um, I think, you know, he he pushed Yumura on the way out, so that definitely leaves door open to do a rivalry, and whenever he's uh, cleared to have these guys running back and kind of have us kind of back and forth and maybe this be the new rivalry that does draws or, you know, he's, he's you know seeking to get this revenge and win over Yumura. I think that would be... Pretty cool to turn this into a story. As far as how it affects his mental game, I don't know. It's one of those things, you know, some guys take injuries and can, can overcome them. And for some people, they do kind of freak out when they get caught in those moments and they, they kind of, it, it does mess with them mentally. Is, is this going to happen again? Um, uh, but so it just, we'll have to wait and see. But based off of him pushing you more afterwards, I feel like he kind of has, he has a mindset of like, I'm going to get through this and we're going to, you know, make this interesting. I mean, um, wrestling is one of those things where when accidents like this happen, it's unfortunate, but it's also fortunate. I mean, you can come back and draw money off of it and, you know, draw sympathy. And the guys, the guy wrestled for 52 seconds and I hate to say it, but like there might be more interest in him based off of what happened here. And the, the big question of what, what could have been versus what we might have gotten had he gotten squashed. Um, and I'm not advocating that this was a good thing, but they have a, a clear opportunity to do something when he comes back, so that's good. Um, what happens when he comes back remains to be seen. I mean, it takes young lions a really long time to even get to the point where they're ready to be on the actual televised stage. And even from there, they've got a long path and a long road ahead of them before they ever become true established superstars or not stars, but superstars, uh, wrestlers within the company. So, um, it'll be interesting to see how he reacts to it, but, um, you know, they, they, they do have a unique opportunity here. So the rest of the car, we had United empire, Jeff Cobb back on the tour teaming with Okan and Osprey. They defeated the team of Gabriel kid, Tanahashi and Kojima. 
Click a setup here for the Okan Tanahashi match. Then we had Lij Bushi Hiromu and Chingo defeating Bullet Club, which was ELP Taiji and Yujiro. Set up there for the upcoming junior tag title matches and the junior title match. And uh, semi main event, we had Sonata and Naito defeating Abushi and Yuji Nagata. All he's setting up the IC title match. And then the main event, 10 man elimination match, Bull Club. Chase Owens back on the tour, teaming with Evil, Jay White, and GOD to defeat the Chaos team of Goto, Okada, Ishii, Yano, and Yoshihashi. So continuing that feud there. Then we move on to the 15th. We have Goto and Yoshihashi and Yumura, the defeated Jado, Tamatonga, and Tangaloa. Then we have the United Empire defeating Tanahashi, Tenzan, and Yotatsuji. Uh, middle of the card, Bushi, Hiromu, and Tanada to defeat ELP, Taiji, and Yujiro. Semi-main event, Chase, Dick Togo, Evil, and Jay White defeat Okada, Sho, uh, Tomohiro Ishii, and Toriyano. And then the main event, Shingo and Naito defeat Ibushi and Nagata. And then on today's show, the 16th, we had the United Empire defeating Tanahashi, Kojima, and Yotosuji. Bullet Club team of ELP, Taiji, and Yujiro defeating Bushi, Hiromu, and Sonata. Chaos team of Sho, Ishii, and Yano defeating Chase Owens, Gato, and Jay White. So my main event, Shingo and Naito defeating Kota Ibushi and Yuji Nagata. And then the main event, Evil, Tamatanga Tangaloa defeating Goto, Okada, and Yoshihashi. So, just a lot of continuation of the, the feuds that are leading into Castle Attack. Honestly, the biggest takeaway for me is uh, I love the interactions between Shingo and Nagata, who aren't even feuding, really, on this tour. Um, so, But I would love to see a Shingo-Nagata singles match. Uh, somehow, maybe first-round New Japan Cup match, that would be awesome. But yeah, everything else is just your playing kind of standard road to builds for Castle Attack. Uh, we have more Road 2 shows coming up here uh, through the 17th through the 22nd. Then on the 25th is where we'll have the IWGP Junior Heavyweight Tag Title match as Bushi and Hiromu challenge Taiji and ELP. So a couple things I've heard. I've seen that Naito has been really playing up like his kind of sarcastic, cocky character. Um kind of came out there, there apparently there's no english commentary live yeah so yeah kevin kelly's back uh back home so there won't be uh, any uh english live english for these shows uh these row two shows and so yeah he came out he was like looking he's like where he, he sits down he's like look at the crowd like where's where's you know where's kevin kelly um he like trips up the announcer as he's doing his intro there was after one match um he was acting like his knee was hurt and like leaned on the announcer kind of like dragged him down and that's because he's basically uh making fun of the dads who he's like saying they're too old right but and, uh, what's funny is because like he doesn't have knees either <laughs> right and uh they were him and chingo were mocking nagata's um you know salute blue justice pose i saw that and they're like trying to do it and they were like <laughs> making fun of it so uh, that that's something i've kind of caught that that's been funny there's been a lot of uh dialogue online about the low attendance for these shows uh one thing i'd like to point out these shows, because of the um, what's going on with the the uh, national, what is it called? Uh, the uh, state of emergency. State of emergency. They have to run these shows earlier than they normally would. Not only that, but they're running a lot of shows, and they're running them in the middle of the week. And because of that, very often you're seeing a lot of times where people literally can't make it for the shows, especially if they're working. And so that's causing a lot of these shows to have like very, very low attendance. Um, if I've seen a lot of people online try to have like the hot take that they're like, oh, New Japan is going down. And it's like, well, 
I mean, they're almost all based on the numbers from Lawson. They're almost already sold out entirely for the anniversary show as well as Castle Attack, which means like there's definitely interest in those shows. You know what I mean? So I I don't think that this is necessarily indicative of the overall interest in the product. And another issue that we've talked about, too, is just the fact that they, you know, if this was WWE... Because there are people, there were people in Corkin. If this was WWE, they would have moved all those people to like the hard cam section right. to make it look more full. But they don't do that in New Japan. Like there were people on like the right and left sides that were pretty decent. Though that that whole kind of hard cam section was empty. They also uh, can't with the health, like, right? With, with COVID, yeah. So, but yeah, I mean, I just think it's a lazy take, you know. And if granted. Do I think that these could be could have been more well attended? Sure, you know. Do I think the product's at its hottest right now? No, I don't. Not at all. But do I think that this is a sign of the times and that there's doom and gloom? No, not at all. I mean, yeah. they're clear. They're clearly still doing business in Japan. Yeah. And then uh, real quick, the road to New Beginning USA continued uh, this past Friday. Jr. Kratos defeated Jordan Clearwater. Bateman defeated Clark Connors, and Chris Dickinson and Danny Limelight defeated Ren Narita and TJP. Um, complete transparency here. I did not catch this week's uh, strong yet, but I heard there was some like interactions between Dickinson and Narita after the match. I watched this. There, there was, um, yeah, afterwards Dickinson and Narita went at it, so it seems like they're going to do something down the line with Narita and Dickinson and kind of pay off on that. Um, I also was very impressed with Bateman. I thought Bateman, I, he's awesome. Like, he doesn't necessarily fit into, like, what I'd call a traditional, like, New Japan guy. Because of the gimmick. Yeah, but the gimmick is fucking awesome. You know? Like, maybe in this New Japan strong environment, it, it works. But, yeah, he's pretty great. Um, like, he's pretty great. But, yeah, that the, the show was fine. The wrestling was good. Um, there, and there was a there Kenta was, interview, right? Yeah, there was an interview with Kenta. Talked about John Moxley. It was nothing like earth shattering, but you know, just furthering that. You know, I think we're what like two weeks out. Yeah. So uh, this coming up Friday on the nineteenth, we're going to have Rocky Romero, Adrian Quest, and Mysterioso taking on Ray Horace, Barrett Brown, and the DKC. Mister No Days Off, Fred Ross are taking on Hickaleo, and then the main event, El Fantasmo taking on Leo Rush. We'll see if Leo can change young boy's mind or will he disappoint once again. And then the following Friday, the 26th, we have the big IWGP U.S. title match. John Moxley defending against Kenta. Then two quick... Uh, I, I do want to say, I don't anticipate ELP Leo Rush being a classic or a banger. Because it's a 45-minute show, and there's three matches here. And, I mean, unless they really kill it in, like, 15 minutes, I don't know. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, I'm, I'm not going to, like, bury them for that, but... At the same time, I mean, it's two, <laughs> two singles matches with ELP, you know, and I don't know, man. <laughs> um, there's two quick news items here. So this past weekend, WWE signed Blake Christian to a developmental deal, so we'll be no longer seeing him on New Japan Strong, and, you know, we won't be seeing him. We might. Well, yeah, depending <laughs> on what's tape, but once his tape, you know, his appearances are done, that's on Footage and he's gone. We're not yeah, gonna see him anymore. I haven't seen uh, Russ Taylor in a while, <laughs> or uh, who's, Alex Zane. Or Alex Zane. It's getting weird out here. Yeah, man. It's weird. It's like all these guys are on strong, and then suddenly they get signed to developmental deals. It's weird how that happens, <laughs> right? Yeah. So you know, WWE's they're on a signing spree right now. 
pretty much anybody with a pulse and a pair of tights are, are getting signed up right now. They didn't sign me. <laughs> I got a pulse. I got some. Well, you're not on the radar yet. You got to show up on strong first. Uh, uh, and then uh, we got the card for Josh Barnett's Bloodsport 5 that's coming up here on iPay-Review on Bloodsport's uh, streaming service, and it'll be on Fight TV this time. So we have Tito versus McCool, Tankman versus Nolan, Super Beast versus Cal, Cal Alex Coughlin versus uh, Royce Isaacs, Rocky Romero versus Simon Grimm, Dickinson versus Kratos, Cobb versus Tom Lawler, and the main event, John Moxley versus Dave Boy Smith Jr. Mother asks, once again, what is Young Boys and Jeremy as well's opinion on Bloodsport 5? Uh, this card, to me, looks much better than the Bloodsport 4 card. I actually know who's who... Uh, the majority of the workers that are on this card are, and there's some pretty intriguing matchups there, uh, especially Mox and Smith. Um, Jeff Cobb just won his last match, and Filthy is like one of the most successful guys. So that's that's an interesting one, too. Uh, Chris Dickinson against Jared Kratos. Uh, is that both Team Filthy guys? Yeah. Yeah. Rocky Romero against Simon Grimm. That should be very good. Uh, that's Rocky's first time doing Bloodsport. Um yeah, so this is going to be interesting. I actually watched Bloodsport 4 this past week. Um, the three matches that are probably worth mentioning for, you know, purposes of our show, Alex Coughlin against Jar Kratos uh, was not that good. It, it was fu- it was passable, but I, I'll tell you right now, Alex Coughlin cannot do shoot style at all. Um, it, this was very pro wrestling heavy. Mm. Um Basic pro wrestling, but like he he looked extremely lost. Jared Kratos did not look lost at all, and he kind of ate up Coglin, which I guess is what you'd expect from a young line versus a vet match. Um, there, but there was a couple. There was a a, a slam that Coglin got at the end. It was like a, a gut wrench uh, suplex on Jared Kratos that was pretty cool, but he got knocked out, uh, quote unquote, in the match, and Jared Kratos won. Uh, it was fine. I thought I don't think that this is the right setting for Coglin, you know, and I didn't see, you know, this isn't the right place to kind of be able to assess, wh- you know, where he's at when it comes to pro wrestling because it's such a unique style. It's completely different. Um, as far oh, ro- um, freak, what's wrong with me? Simon Grimm. Simon Grimm against Tom Lawler was by far the match of the show. Incredible. Uh, Probably, I'd go four stars on it. I think it's going to be another potential um, excursion match of the year candidate. And those are just two guys who are both very adept at the mixing in the shoot style along with sort of like the the American indie style. And they know how to actually tell a story within the narrative and still make it look real but not at the detriment of the storytelling and they, they just, like, know how to create moments. They're both really, 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 really good at this. And they've both been doing Bloodsport since it started. Yeah. So that was the best match of the night. And then the main event was Chris Dickinson against um, Jeff Cobb. I don't think Jeff Cobb is good at this style, and I think Chris Dickinson is just okay at it. Chris Dickinson is best at the Bloodsport style when he's fucking people up, like when he's really throwing hard, stiff strikes. But I don't think everybody... Dan Severn did it with him, and so did Butch, but, like, Mox didn't do it with him, and I, Josh Barnett didn't either, and neither did Jeff Cobb. So I don't know if everyone is, like, about that life with him. <laughs> uh, Jeff Cobb, he's an Olympic, you know, level wrestler, but I don't think he is 
good at this style at all. Like, I, I really don't. Uh, the close of the match, I don't know if anyone's seen it. He hit him with a bunch of Germans and knocked out Chris, which is really cool. It, it reminded me of what Dan Severn did uh, to Macias back at, like, one of the early UFCs. So it was kind of a tribute. But other than that, the match was – it was – I still would give it, like, three and three quarters because it was the main event, got a lot of time, and they did a lot of work. But I don't think that they are – good at shoot style wrestling like the only match i'd really really tell someone to go way out of their way i mean that main event a lot of people liked it so you might still want to check it out but the the lawler grim match was awesome nice uh we have a few uh questions here and then recommended match of the week um so first question here from front of jail zach porter he says recently the recent following the recent trend happening at other pure companies just this past week what New Japan Quinn Quadrian alum, not named Liger, would you like to see beat Ibushi? So what he's alluding to is Junakiyama won the DDT, uh, K King of K- KOD, yeah KOD Open Weight World Title or whatever, and then um, Kiji Muto at the age of fifty eight years old beat uh, Goshi Ozaki for the GHC title in Budokan Hall. So uh, two olds. <laughs> being two youths yeah um is there any so he's saying is there anyone that's old any old alumni that we'd want to beat abushi i don't know <laughs> i mean they're not alumni but I, I, I would take satoshi kojima you know beating abushi getting one last run yeah i i don't i mean i guess ah, it's tough like I'm just thinking of who's out there that like I could see coming back that I think would be good. Um, I don't know, man. I think they got like, I mean, they've got Suzuki, they got Nagata, they got Kojima. Those are three of the best guys out there. Yeah. I mean, I think about who's out there and I think like Minoru Tanaka's out there. Uh, Koji Kenimoto's out there, I think. Oh, my boy, Kenimoto. I don't think they can go. <laughs> uh, Masato Tanaka's out there. Like, he's an alumni. I don't really consider him, like, a, a New Japan guy just because he's not. He's, like, FMW and freelancer and all that. But he he can still really fucking go. I don't know if I'd want to see him beat Ibushi, but I would be pro- I'd probably be down for him. <laughs> Bro, Masato Tanaka against Kota Ibushi would fucking rule. Yeah. Um, great Sasuke still wrestling. Uh, Jinzei Shinzaki is still wrestling. I don't think I'd want to see either of them beat him though. No. Uh, I, I don't know really. It's yeah, like, I don't think there's anybody really out there. I, I think, they and got, I don't know what this word means. They said Quinquagenarian. I, I think that's like I think that's like fifty. I think or some some kind of I don't know. Oh yeah, like Quinn, like Quintuplet. Yeah. Is there anyone like over 50? Because I was like, I could think of one um, alumni that's out there that I kind of like to see him wrestle. (laughs) Brock? No. (laughs) Uh, Or Omega. Oh. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Um, It's an adjective. It means between the ages of 50 and 59. Gotcha. That's hard. I don't even know the ages of most wrestlers. Zach Porter out here dropping these, you know. What the S- fuck kind S-A-T of fucking words. word is that? <laughs> God. Uh, uh, I don't know. Like, maybe if, if I had to pick one and only one, it would be Minoru Suzuki mm. because he's never won that title. Yeah. That's the only guy. That would make the most sense out of the guys. From, from that age, that would be the guy. Yeah. 
Uh, next question here from Tiff, Tim Smith at Poindexter84 on Twitter. When is Tanahashi going to make a sequel to My Dad is a Heel Wrestler? I don't I, know. They I heard rumors that they were going to do it, but then yeah. I, I don't think they have, so I don't know. You know, I, I would call up Tanahashi and ask him, but, you know, the last time I tried to have a conversation with Tanahashi in person, it didn't go so well. <laughs> um, so <laughs> I, I don't think I, I'll be having that conversation with him anytime soon. Uh Next question here from Kyle Martin. A few weeks ago, another listener asked some Nakamura-related questions. So hypothetically speaking, is Nakamura versus Okada the ultimate dream match in New Japan? I remember them being in chaos together, so they must have tagged before, but I don't think they've ever fought. You guys think that's the ultimate dream match, or do you, or do either of you have one better? Well, they, they did wrestle twice in the G1 against each other. Uh, they, they wrestled in the G1 finals in 2014. I think that's the right, yep. And then they were in the B block finals in 2015, or maybe the A block. I don't remember. Um, they might have even wrestled three times in the G1. They've definitely wrestled twice, at least twice. So I, I wouldn't call it a dream match. Right. Uh, I mean, I don't know. For Nakamura, I mean, I'm not sure if there is a quote unquote dream match. I mean, I would love maybe Nakamura versus Shingo. Um, I don't think they've ever wrestled before. Probably cross paths. Um, Who Nakamura and Shingo? I don't think they've ever wrestled. Yeah, I think that could be a quote unquote dream match. Um, I uh, yes, you know what? I'm sorry. They did wrestle three times. I thought they might have, and they wrestled um, in the G1 climax in 2012. So they wrestled in 2012, 2014. And then in 2015, um, so yeah, yeah. So, but yeah, would, uh, would, is there any other dream match you could think of? Well, Not- you know, well, he's saying ultimate dream match, and when it comes to ultimate dream matches, that's where you start. I think that's where you start getting into the realm of like matches that have never happened, and you start talking about New Japan guys against people like The Rock, Brock Lesnar, Goldberg, CM Punk, Kenny Omega, Cena, Cena, the big names. Um, that just, you know, they're not here. So there's an appeal there. You know, there's, you can really market that sort of shit. Um, domestically, I don't know that there's too many big names out there that could really draw with new Japan stars. Kento Miyahara is probably one of them. Um, but I don't know if there's anyone in Noah. I mean, obviously you got Marafuji, right? And I mean, they have they have names. They got you know Kento Kiyomiya and you know um, Kino and um, Nakajima, but I, I I just don't know. Yeah, but yeah, the ultimate dream match money is what you mentioned with the, the big kind of Western names. Yeah. Um, as far as when it comes to Nakamura, if there was one guy that you could like do a just a dream match with Nakamura, I'm guessing. Let's just suppose because we're a New Japan podcast, it's in New Japan. Uh, I mean, for me, the, the the dream match for Nakamura was Kenny Omega. Mm, yeah. I mean, and they and it was booked, and it was a big deal that it was going to happen, and then it didn't happen. So since it's never happened, but but now Kenny's not even in the company anymore. So and you know, so it's not even. And also, I mean, things have really drastically changed for uh, Shinsuke Nakamura and his employment with uh, the Fed. So. <laughs> 
I'm wondering what would be like the biggest match you could do for him in New Japan. I don't know that it's not either Naito or Ibushi. Right. If you're trying to sell out, do a big money main event, I think those are the guys. I mean, Abushi because their history and everything and his status and he's like the god of wrestling and then you've got the King of Strong style. You could really, and then plus, you know, their they're famous match. Right. But I don't think they ever did a big Naito Nakamura program ever. Um, you know, I mean, Nakamura kind of like rose in the LIJ persona after Nakamura left. Yeah. Uh, next question. So here. That's probably that's probably the answer. It's probably Naito and Nakamura. That's probably the dream match in Japan. Yeah, for him, anyways. Next question from Muzza. Who do you see will win between Derek Lewis and Curtis Blades? Both are two of my favorite heavyweights. I can't choose. Uh, <laughs> I don't know. It doesn't really matter. Uh, both guys are sluggers. Um, whoever lands first, probably Curtis Blades. But I mean. Bro, it's a shootout. It doesn't really matter. Yeah. I, I don't really like... I, I, I think Derek Luce is fucking hilarious, but... Ne- come on, uh, Ma- I, come I, on, Muzzle. Those are your two favorite heavyweights <laughs> in the fucking heavyweight division. Come uh, on, bro. Do I better. Mean, I, I would guess that uh, Blades, Razor Blades, is going to... Would probably get the win here. But we'll see. Yeah, like you mentioned, it's going to be a shoot uh, slug out. Literally, so. both guys got dynamite in their fists. It's just and and also like um, here's one thing: blades blades has been knocked out way more times than Derek Lewis has. So Derek Lewis can actually take probably can I don't know at that weight it's hard to say, but like he could probably weather some of what Blades is throwing a little bit better. But Blades cannot weather if he gets hit by Derek Lewis, he's going to sleep. Mm. Then last stretch of questions here from our user Dom Homie 101. First, he asked thoughts on Kijimoto winning the JHC Heavyweight Championship at the young age of 58. <laughs> Maybe Omega could drop the AW title to Young Hot Start in the main, Young Hot Start in the Man Called Sting, and we can get the once in a lifetime dream match of Kijimoto versus Sting in a winner take all match. LOL. That's funny. Um, I didn't see the match. You know we. I recognize that Noah is a fantastic promotion from every person that I know that watches it, that I respect their opinions. They pretty much have said it. They were the promotion of the year last year. I mean, uh, I think I probably would have voted for AEW just based off of, you know, the, the generally held, um, you know, criteria, but from an in-ring standpoint, um, you know, obviously new Japan probably had more quality across the board, but Noah had a lot of great matches and had and and especially in the main events right for title matches yeah last year had a lot of buzz so but at the same time I just don't watch it man um, I, I like Goshi Ozaki I think he was probably the wrestler of the year last year um, had a fantastic title ring but um, I haven't seen this I know it's available on YouTube I'm probably gonna get around to watching it I heard it was fantastic my thinking was Kiyomiya lost to Muto. So Muto turning around and beating Goshiozaki and them trying to elevate Kiyomiya would, you know, naturally tell me that Kiyomiya is going to turn around and beat Muto for the title. And then, you know, they, they pretty much get two big paydays out of Muto. But the big news this week was that he signed a two-year deal with the company. So he could be in for a long run, brother. <laughs> yeah, but his first title challenge is to Kiyomiya. Mm. So I don't know if he's, like, just a transitional champion. It's... And or maybe they do like a, a draw and then they do like a series of matches. Yeah, I was thinking that was a possibility. So I, I don't know. I don't follow it enough. But, you know, I was thinking like obviously Muto is one of the biggest legends in Japan. 
uh, ever. <laughs> and, you know, they're trying their best to raise the company from the ashes, which they're doing a fantastic job of it. There's a lot of buzz, a lot of goodwill, and that's great. And even in losing to uh, Muto, Go Shiozaki apparently looked really great. And so, I mean, I know people don't, some people are questioning this decision, but a lot of the fans of, of the product are pretty high on it. So I, I don't know what to think, but I think it is completely different, obviously, than Sting, who, you know, has spinal stenosis and right. really can't, can't take a bump. <laughs> uh, although, like, Muto, I saw him a couple years ago, and it was horrible. But he since then had those knee surgeries, and I think it's extended his his shelf life. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, I can't criticize this because I just don't know enough. I don't know the context. I don't watch the program. It, it'd be hard for me to say it was bad especially with so much praise I'm hearing surrounding it, you know? Right. I mean, I've seen the jokes about the 58-year-old 58, 58 winning it's the title. Old. It's old. <laughs> but at the same time, I've seen a lot of praise on the match as well. And like you, I don't really follow Noah like that, so, yeah. But, I mean, you know, when Terry Funk won, like, the ECW title, that was a big deal for their company, and then he, he wasn't, like, a, a long-standing champion. He dropped it pretty quick afterwards, so... I, I, I can't see, like, Muto being champion for a, a really, really long time. But, you know, Noah, in the past, they've made some really terrible booking decisions. And, I mean, especially when it comes to, like, star power and kind of, like, bowing at the foot of, of a big star like Muto, they've got a track, track record of that. So, you know, it could start good, and then, like, he goes on a string of title defenses, and they all suck. And yeah. <laughs> that, that sort of thing could be very plausible. <laughs> Uh, his next question, is it me or does it feel like New Japan got a lot of great themes, both Evil and ELP's new theme songs are straight fire, plus the theme songs from the likes of Okada, Ishii, G.O.D. are also phenomenal too. They, they oh, New Japan has the best uh, music in wrestling. Yeah, themes are amazing. Um, yeah, so are wrestlers like Sonata, Evil, Ishii, and Goto the main gatekeepers of New Japan? Uh, might want to throw in um, Shingo Takagi. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> I, I I don't know I don't know uh, Here's one thing I, I did want to throw out And I forgot to mention On the show I would rather see Ishii have challenged uh, Abushi For double titles If they were going to go With the route That someone was only Challenging for the IC belt I would have Kind of been okay with it If it was someone Who couldn't challenge For the IWGB title For an actual Logical reason Like if Ishii was like, I want to challenge for the double gold. And then they were like, no, no. <laughs> and then he's like, well, at least let me challenge for the IC belt. Because if he gets rid of it, I don't have that goal. And I've never accomplished that goal. Then there's kind of at least a, a story there. You know and what I mean? Or he'd be like, well, let me challenge for the IC first. Then I can beat him, and then I can earn a shot for the heavyweight title, and then I can be double champion. Jeremy, why the fuck aren't we booking this company? <laughs> yes, and that would that would that would fucking rule. And like, if he did beat him, and then and then like, sure, he would lose the rematch, and people would see that coming. But then it's like, well, he did fucking beat him the first time, you know? Right. And then it's like, could Ishii? Become double become champion. Become double champion. <laughs> and he doesn't, but he but he achieved the goal of becoming the icy belt. I would rather see someone like him, or even like Shingo, to, well, maybe not Shingo, but someone like him. Actually, him. I think he's the perfect guy. Someone who has never held that belt, being like, you can't get rid of it, because if you get rid of it, I don't have that goal to go after anymore. 
mm-hmm. you're fucking me over, bro. Right. Don't, don't get, drop that shit. Let me try and get it, you know? Right. So, I don't know. I don't know. Who, who, who do you think are the gatekeepers in, in New Japan? I mean, I think it's this list that he has. <laughs> I mean, everyone, every guy, every kind of main eventer does have a, a big feud or big title offense against Fale, but I think these guys that he has here, the Goto, Ishii, Sonata, Evil, I mean, they've, they've tried elevating Evil, but Definitely Ishii and Goto are two of the main kind of gatekeeper guys. Even, um, what's his face, uh, Tangaloa said that in his uh, promo at the closing show today. Or Tam Tonga said it, actually, because he's facing Goto and talking about, yeah, Goto is, you know, the gatekeeper. Now he's going to use Goto to get onto the, the next level, the next tier. So, I mean, I guess it kind of, I wonder what, like, a gatekeeper even really is in wrestling. Um, let's go to Wikipedia. In boxing, kickboxing, MMA, a gatekeeper is a skillful, well-regarded fighter, but one who does not have the popularity or brilliance of a title contender. They are considered to be a cut above journeyman. So they'll often have an impressive record, but will have a difficult time getting people behind them and especially especially obtaining promotion. So uh, I think that definitely... Yeah, I think Ishii... Um, I mean, I could... No, Evil couldn't be a gatekeeper. He won the double gold. Yeah. Um. Sonata might be in that era. Goto's there. That's, yeah. Yeah. So. Then yeah. Uh, last question. He says, oh, young boy, it's time for some fight talk. Thoughts on the emotional intense main event from UFC 258. Also thoughts on the rumor of Pacquiao wanting $40 million to fight Terrence Crawford. To me, this could be Pacquiao wanting a huge payday to fight Crawford due to knowing how the fight will play out. Spoiler, the Terrence Crawford fight doesn't end well for Pacquiao. To be honest, I see Pacquiao fighting Mikey Garcia next instead of fighting Crawford, and I see Crawford maybe fighting Sean Porter or Virgil Ortiz next. Um, yeah, I watched the UFC card this weekend. I wasn't going to, but then after Bloods, bro, Bloodsport, they've charged twenty dollars, and it was over in an hour and a half. I also have I I don't want to make this Bloodsport show, but I got a lot of criticisms about that show. A lot mm-hmm. that that was the first Bloodsport show I would ever say I did not think was a positive show mm-hmm. ever. And I've loved their brand. Right, you've been like a big like flag waver for Bloodsport. They made a lot of fucking mistakes with that show. That was, I, I didn't like the show. Um, but I watched UFC. I, I didn't pay attention to most of it because it was a pretty shitty card. Um, but the main event, Gilbert Burns against um, Kamaru Usman, former training, well, I guess they are training partners. And, uh, you know, Gilbert Burns has looked like a killer. Kamaru Usman was, you know, if he won this, he get the most tile defenses of any welterweight champion in history, uh, more than GSP and uh, Tyron Woodley. And Gilbert Burns came out, landed a huge right hand, almost dropped uh, Kamaru Usman. I thought Usman was going out. Like, I was, like, screaming. I was like, he's knocking out. Usman's about to get knocked out. He stopped him. He stopped him. And then uh, Burns, like, slips, falls on his back, stays in his guard, kind of gives this guy time to recover. Then they stand up and... Uh, Usman starts, you know, recovering. Second round, his corner told him to start throwing the jab. He starts throwing out this piston fucking jab and just destroys this guy. Like, his jab, and he was switching stances and throwing it from from southpaw as well as uh, con- conventional stance. And, I mean, Gilbert Burns, like, was still doing good, but, like, bro, he just fucked up Gilbert Burns. And then, like, stopped him. Like, just fucking stopped him. And, they, yeah, they stopped the fight. And, uh, I mean, Kamaru Usman's a fucking monster. It's funny because he's terrible at media. He's terrible. Like, he's got terrible relationship with management. Regular people don't know who the fuck he is. Like, 
no one wants to promote the guy, but he's one of the best fighters like ever in the in the division. Um, so yeah, we'll see what happens. Um, I thought the match, I thought the fight was fantastic. It was very emotional. Gilbert Burns crying afterwards. They're hugging each other. So yeah, I thought the fight was great. It looks like he's gonna be fighting. Um, fucking what's his face? Uh, who's the guy that did the V trick? Uh, Jorge Masvidal. Mm. Uh, he already fought Masvidal this year, but Masvidal took the fight on six days' notice, and so he's been talking shit like, "If I had a full training camp, you know." Yeah. And he's a star, so Usman's trying to get the big payday because he already beat that ass once, and he thinks, you know, if we do it again, it's a, another big payday, another big star-making fight. Like I, you know, so he didn't challenge Usman to a non-title match first, so he could earn a title match. No. Oh man. <laughs> So that might happen. Uh, as far as Pacquiao and Terrence Crawford, I, I'd ask for forty million to fight Terrence Crawford too. I mean, I don't. I a hundred percent agree. I think uh, a fight with Terrence Crawford ends very, very, very badly. I think Terrence Crawford stops Pacquiao, and I think he stops him early. I think it's within six rounds. Um, yeah, I, I thought Pacquiao lost to Keith Thurman, but you know, other people didn't. Uh, so. Um, but, yeah, when it comes to what they're going to do next and who they're going to fight, bro, I don't play that game because I've been watching boxing for most of my life, and it just never – I mean, it never turns out the way that you think it's going to turn out for the most part because especially the last, like, 10 years, they just suck at putting fights together. They just suck at it. So, I mean, would it be cool if you fought Mikey Garcia? I guess. I don't know. I, I, I heard Pacquiao – his team made an offer to Mayweather, but I don't think he's going to fight him again. So I, I don't know what the fuck's going to happen. And, you know, it's a shame. Um, most people don't even know who Terrence Crawford fucking is, and he's one of the greatest welterweights, you know, of a generation. And, you know, the fight everyone wants to see is him and uh, Errol Spence, and it's ne- it's probably never going to happen. So I don't know. Well, now on to recommended match of the week. So last week you recommended Lagerberg's Great Sasuke from July 8th, 1994. Now, now let me tell you guys something. <laughs> I thought, no, I watched this match many, many times, and it was on uh, Vimeo, and it was on Daily Motion. So I just thought it was still there. Uh, and it was on YouTube. It's not. They it, it, New Japan probably pulled it. It's gone. So Jeremy like hits me up and he's like, Hey, I can't find this match. And I was like, what? And I went on new Japan world. It's not there. I looked everywhere and I was like, ah, well you can watch the, the J cup match if you want, I guess that's fine. And then I found a clip of, of the the actual match. I was like, I I thought I sent the clip to him. It was from, um, like Japanese Billy, Billy or whatever, Billy, Billy, which is another social or another like multimedia site. site. (laughs) Yeah. And I was like, here, here you go. But this man, Jeremy, elected not to watch the Billy Billy one. He, he went the easy route, watched the shit off. Well, when you sent me, there, were, there was no link. I was trying. It was to, a link, bro. I was trying to type it up uh, on the Xbox, couldn't get it pulled up. Didn't feel like pulling the laptop out. I was already halfway through the uh, Super J Cup match. So I will eventually. I'll try it, one. It's fine. The, the J Cup match, I, I like the other match better, but most people like the J Cup match better. It's widely been regarded as the best match of Liger's career. I don't think it is, but, I mean, it's definitely up there, so. Yeah, I thought it was a great matchup. Uh, kind of started off with your kind of traditional chain wrestling. Um, it's a lot of great back and forth. Um, Liger doing a tombstone to the crossface chicken wing. I think the crossface chicken wing is an underrated submission hold, and I think somebody, well, I guess we, 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 guess we did have somebody that was using it. but somebody, I, I use it. 
Oh, you do? I use it all the time. I, I think that submission's awesome. It is awesome. Yeah. I uh, mean, and it's real, too. Yeah. Uh, crowd was firmly behind Grace Hoske in this match. Um, I guess maybe they were tired of the, the lager push here for some reason. I don't know. Uh, but they were really behind Sasuke. Maybe they want to see the upset here. Uh, lager working a lot of submissions. He worked to uh, Kimura and arm bar throughout the match. A lot of great suplexes. Uh, Sai moonsault by Sasuke. Uh, big swanton dive um, onto Liger to the outside. Um, great pile driver from Sasuke. A lot, it's a lot of great back and forth moves. There's this crazy razor's edge looking move that Sasuke did to Liger. That was pretty dope. Sasuke hitting a tombstone of his own. Um, it's a lot of great back and forth near falls with the Liger bomb, Liger hitting a super hurricane Rana, a lot of back and forth pinfalls, Liger hitting a big release German suplex, um, Liger hitting a fishman buster, uh, going out the ring, uh, taking a big dive, um, Sasuke botching on the, their springboard, but like they kind of recover really quickly. And yeah, just overall, it's a really great matchup here. Nice. Uh, what would you go rating wise? Uh, maybe like four and a half. Nice. That's awesome. Um, so my recommended match for this week comes from the new beginning in Hiroshima 2014. Hiroshi Tanahashi defending the Intercontinental title against Shinsuke Nakamura. Uh, yeah, that match. Uh, I don't, I, I don't think I watched it when we were doing our retrospective on the IC title. But I was, pr- or I might have, I can't remember. But um, it's been a while since I've seen that match. So yeah, that match is awesome though. Yeah, can't can't go wrong with Tana and Nakamura. So that's our recommended match for this week. Check that out. Uh, next week we'll be back to talk about the road to Castle Attack and to do our official preview and predictions for the Castle Attack shows. If you enjoyed today's show, please consider making a donation by visiting socialsuplex.com and clicking the donate button under the Keeping a Strong Style logo. Make sure you connect with us on social media. On Twitter, the show is at KI Strong Style. The network is at Social Suplex. You can follow me at Jeremy L. Donovan. On Facebook, we are Facebook.com slash Social Suplex. In the Wrestling Square Circle Facebook group, we are Facebook.com slash group slash Wrestling Square Circle. On Instagram, we are at Social Suplex. On Reddit, on the Pro Black Guy, I was keeping a strong style. You can email me, Jeremy, at socialsuplex.com. You can check out our Discord server. The link for that is in the show description. You can check out all the other shows here on the Social Suplex Podcast Network. We have One Nation Radio, hosted by Rich Vlad and James Boyd. We have the Ricky and Clyde Russell Show from Scotland. We have the Grave Consequences Podcast with Caleb and Maserati. 8-Bit Suplex with Josh Number 2 and Sandy. All Things Elite with Floyd and Austin and the Great Match Generator with Danny. Don't forget to subscribe and leave a rating and review. And we will catch you next week on Keeping a Strong Style, the ace of podcasts. Thanks for listening. Ichiban. Thank you for listening to Keeping It Strong Style. We'll see you next time. Nice buns, soft, fluffy, and ultra low net carbs. Discover Hero Bread, the delicious ultra low net carb bread with incredible taste and texture. Hero Bread has zero grams of sugar and is under 100 calories per serving, plus high in fiber with 5 to 10 grams of protein per serving. Order from hero.co now and get 10% off your first purchase with promo code AH10. That's 10% off with code AH10. H E R O.co.